Decide the topic. From love chat for Matt to the hate in your heart. I can't believe it. There are no limits. You can be nice. I love legends. You can be mean. I don't give a fuck. Or you can blow it all up. Every Wednesday at 9, it gets crazy when you get their number and you can call them maybe. And now, here they are, Matt Christensen and Blonde. Hello and welcome to the show. It is the call-in show, the show where you get our number and we are at your mercy. Hello, Blonde. Hi. How much have you looked at the news today? None. Okay, good. I might be breaking news to you, even though it is a few hours old at this point. But I want to congratulate everybody out there on the Internet for showing that a little bit of light harassment can get good things done. All the empty egg carton memes, total success. Did she, what did she do? The disinformation board was put on pause. Oh. And Nina Jankowitz personally resigned from oh. the board. So I thought you were going to tell me she killed herself. I was like, good job, guys. <laughs> well done. That's why I said light harassment to just get a little nudge. I'm not heartless. But she has a fragile ego, you know. I thought maybe we'd push her over the edge. No, uh, no, and uh, I disavow Susan. But uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, the story was actually broken by Taylor Lorenz, and Taylor Lorenz has a whole that's rich from her. Yeah, quasi hit piece about how it was mostly Jack Posobiec who brought this to the public's attention and that the disinformation board was somewhat ironically done in by disinformation. <laughs> and um, it was just hilarious because she thinks she's making Jack Posobiec look bad. No, it's and making him look great. It's like, well, thanks for the PR. Yeah. And um, it, it's not what's the disinformation. This was just people critically looking at your ideas. That's it. And if you're telling me that you can't withstand a little bit of light criticism from the Twitter people, I'm supposed to believe that you're going to stand up to the uh, to all of America's enemies on the international stage, which was the purported reason for the board in the first place, that you were going to make sure that foreign hostilities do not intrude upon our country with their misinformation. Anyway, it's over. So, well, the board is on pause. She's out. I got to think the board itself is probably dead, too. But uh but hey, at least we all got to see the Mary Poppins song. That was the highlight of really? the experience. Mm. Yeah. So <clears> Nina <throat> Jankowitz, we hardly knew ye, and uh, we'll probably never hear from you again. But she says she's going back to her important work in the private sector. I bet. Anyway, perhaps we'll discuss her more later tonight. You guys know how the call-in show works. Most of you do, at least. If you are new to the show... Uh, and you're curious about how to participate, there are instructions for how to do that in the description of whatever video platform you may be watching on. Uh, if you would like to participate in the show, but you're having trouble getting in live or you can't do it live, of course, you can send us an email question. The way to do that is through the contact page of the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form. We'll get to those at the end of the stream, and we will catch up with your super chats every half hour uh, in between as well. Without further ado, uh, you want to just get to the callers? Yeah, sure. Uh, Ratchet Republican is up first. Mr. Ratchet, are you there? I got nothing. Can you hear him? Mm-mm. Okay. Ratchet, if you can hear me, we'll, we'll try again. Sorry we weren't able to get a connection here. Let's try. Oh, look who's up first after that. It's uh, the one and only Phil. Hi, Phil. How you guys doing today? Good, how are well. you? What's on your mind? 
Well, I had some thoughts on the uh, Buffalo situation. Hmm. Um, hopefully not too spicy, but uh, whether it was a Fed boy op or not, I think I mentioned a little bit of this the other night, but um, it seems like a lot of people have a, a loss of meaning, and we talk about this pretty often too, I guess, on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's partially why people bounce from one thing to the next when it comes to like Ukraine or COVID or whatever. I do think we we forget how much people um, want a place of belonging, whether that's a a family or a homeland or a, or whatever. And um, I just I, this this whole demographic replacement thing, like it does, obviously bothers me. But I think it is something that is starting to affect more people than just like those of us that have been aware of this thing for a while now. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I it's know, a combo of, of a lot of things. I, I don't. Um, obviously, I think uh, um, you're probably onto something there, and I think that the uh, all of the lockdown stuff has the same sort of consequence, where you are uh, isolated from others by by force, essentially. And if you don't have a family or sort of a community already, if you went into Corona lockdowns at, at somewhat of an already isolated uh, state in your life. I mean, it was a year or so, maybe more, where it was all but impossible to meet new people and form meaningful relationships. And I can't pretend to know everything about what this kid's situation was or what sort of predispositions he had. But to your point, it doesn't seem like and it's pretty clear when you read his writing. It doesn't seem like he has a lot. He, he feels like or thinks he has a lot to live for or a lot to mm-hmm. look forward to or a lot to protect. Or just, um, you know, a lot to. I don't know, a lot to put faith in, I suppose. That's a dangerous not, man right there. Yeah. It's not a lot it's not a lot to look forward to. There was the the whole abortion like topic that was going on too the other week. There was a picture I saw of a uh of probably an early twenties white girl holding a sign that said, Um, I wish my mother had aborted me and it's kind of it's not exactly a one for one copy of this kid from Buffalo, but it's sort of the same thing where these white kids are told that they have no future except as a hated minority and that they deserve everything bad that happens to them. And um, I'd just like to say, like, if, if you're out there listening to the show tonight, thinking you better go shoot up a, shoot up a store somewhere, t- uh, DM me before you do it. And I'll try to talk you out of it. Um, well, seriously, <laughs> and I just, that's not, that's not going to help anybody. If, if you go try to do that kind of thing. Well, then you really will have nothing to live for. Yeah, of course. Right? And, and you wonder I mean, it's implied throughout his writing that he he was somewhat of a loner, but yeah, a lot of times it's just like a, a person to talk to, a person to sort of yeah. talk you back from maybe some of the the deepest depths of your thought or or the the furthest extremes, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean that that's it. It does drive me nuts too, because and I appreciate you making that offer. I mean, even from the Discord team, I get emails all the time. You need to clean this up in your Discord server. There's hate speech in there. It's like, yeah, I get it. There are Internet edgelords. I understand. You know what else there are? There are people talking to each other in a way that's therapeutic for them. You start isolating them and deleting them. If you're worried about their thoughts, it's going to get a lot worse. So how do you differentiate? Because it seems like the Buffalo kid, everybody's blaming the school, you know, because it was like, well, he was an obvious threat. But if people look through our discord server and one of these people actually murdered somebody later, they'd be like, well, all the evidence was there. Yeah. It's have none. 
Have none of these people ever driven to, through traffic and thought, I really ought to run that guy off the road? Well, everybody's <laughs> thought that. Yeah. We've all yeah. done that. So, you know. And anyway. and frankly, there's no there's no way to police that sort of thing without a, a police state or constant surveillance. And my my perspective would be I'd rather have people prepared to defend themselves with the understanding that, you know, if you're the one who's picked first on the spot, that's if you watch the footage. I have seen the footage. People have sent it to me. And we were talking about the similarities between this event in the the mosque shooting in Christchurch that he was uh, the Brenton Tarrant shooting that he referenced so much. Even the footage is almost identical. Oh yeah. And the first woman he shoots, she has no idea what's even going on. She's on the ground bleeding out before it, it, before she even has any understanding. And I understand mm-hmm. that, you know, it, 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 if you're that person, you're in a very defenseless situation because it's just surprise on the spot. But I don't see how to erase that without erasing everybody's fundamental rights, fundamental freedoms. The only way I see to address this is just to create situations where people are armed, prepared to defend themselves. And the shooter doesn't want to take that risk. This shooter wrote in his manifesto. I'm looking for places that are soft targets. I'm looking for places where people uh, aren't prepared to, or can't by law defend themselves. And, you know, the second that shooters start being put down on the spot is maybe the second they start thinking twice about trying this sort of thing. That's the only solution I have that that preserves people's basic rights. I can't think of a better one. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm hoping, like this is me stepping on my own toes, but each one of us needs to um, have a mentor and then also be have somebody we're mentoring ourselves. Mm. Um, and then a brother to come alongside us as well, or, or a sister, I guess, in the women's case. But anyway, um, that's something I think each one of us needs to start looking at somewhat is seeing somebody we can come alongside and then maybe finding somebody to, to lead us or in a way. Um, I've been blessed to have fathers and uncles and grandfathers and yeah. you know, their friends of the family that have been able to come alongside me in a tough time. And uh, I do hope that at some point I'll be able to pass some of those lessons on to whether it's like my own kids or nieces and nephews. Sure. Um, so anyway, well, look at you, Phil. That's very wise and thoughtful, and I think that's very impo- uh, important. Uh, here, I thought you were going to come in with some spicy take, and it's instead it's like all this family values stuff that's all wholesome. Well, the thing is, like, I'm on the right because I'm socially conservative, not mm-hmm. because I want to send our jobs to China. Yeah. So, um, I, w- I want to. I do honestly want to help my own people. It doesn't mean I want to harm other people, but like my one concern is my own people first and we'll go from there and see what happens after that. But anyway, all right, well, well note, I should probably get out of here before I take another 15 minutes. <laughs> sure. Thank you for the call. That was and, your most uh, positive call yet. Yeah, I, well, I can work on it. I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I thought, I thought here comes the spicy black pill and yet here's Phil with uh, the encouragement and the uh, outreach to others. And I, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and and thanks for supporting the show, as always. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Okay, let's... Ratchet Republican is up again. We can try again here. Ratchet, are you there? Mm. Yeah, I I still got nothing. Me neither. It must be the... uh, Must be the old mobile problem. As a reminder, uh, laptop, desktop on Discord tend to work a lot better than mobile. So if you have the option, try to avoid the uh, the phones, the iPads, all that. But uh, sometimes they work. Anyway, sorry, Ratchet. Maybe we can um, get you another time or maybe we'll try again in a little bit. Selty is up next. Selty, are you there? 
Okay. You Hello. got nothing? Oh, there we go. What's Sorry. on your mind, Salty? To connect. Long time. Hello. Oh. Second time caller, but the last call was like back when Jay Fry still roamed these channels. So it's it's been a little while. Oh, Jay Fry's still around. You just have to know where to find him. But he is. Yeah. He's well, a lurcher. Yeah. I don't know where to find him. Lurker? Lurker. Lurker. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he lurches. Maybe. Yeah. I don't even know what lurching is. So today <laughs> I'm calling because last week I turned 26, like actually on Wednesday. Didn't hmm. manage to get in last week, but you well, know. Happy well, happy birthday. Thank you. But I'm sort of looking for some advice because my life is kind of not that great. Like I'm 26, I'm balding, I have an associate's degree in philosophy of all things, but not like a bachelor's degree. Did we get a call-in question from you? Yes, yes, we ah, did. Okay. okay. I do have a nice beard, so that's one thing I got going for me. And I have a job editing for another YouTube channel of comparable size to you, but I don't want to mention it because it has nothing to do with politics. Sure, yeah. How tall are you? 6'2". Oh, you're fine. Whatever problems you're having in your life can be overcome. <laughs> well, I'm also in California. No, you're six two. It's and you can I'm leave. Living with my mom. It's fine. It doesn't matter. None of this matters. Six two. It's you're, you're fine. Um, so I'm just sort of like looking for like next steps that I can like take. Yeah. You're 26. Well, how much money are you making a year? Uh last year it was like I don't know, like 15k or something. It's Ooh. like. Uh, Oof, that's just, that's a dog shit salary. I did get <laughs> wow. a promotion like right at the end of the year. So now I'm doing more than just video editing. I'm like writing and managing scripts as well. Okay. So what's your academic background again? Did you already mention that? Philosophy. I have an AA and I've basically dropped out. Well, I normally wouldn't tell somebody this, but you might have to go back to school. What about a trade? Yeah. Are you a hard worker? <laughs> no. Ah, so laziness is the real problem. Yeah, like I could probably get a lot more money even in this job if I just worked more because it's it's all about like getting the video done and out. And it's not like I one of my issues is that he doesn't give me any hard timetables. It's just like just get it done whenever. Well, ah, I mean, so it relies. It sounds on like you know the answer to this. Uh, yeah. There's a the lot of self-motivation and discipline, yeah. yeah. Well, then you have to get a job where somebody else has to motivate you if you can't motivate yourself. And let me tell you, that sucks. Yeah, you don't you don't actually want that. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've had that experience. You've been managed by other people and probably had the whip cracked on you, I assume, at some point. But, yeah, not too hard. But um, yeah. I'll give you a, a couple pieces of advice that helped me out. And by the you know, you're 26. I didn't have this. I didn't have stuff right. figured out when I was 26. Um, I, it took me until maybe 30 plus to get a little more disciplined and a little, uh, I don't know, to, to develop some of the habits that you're talking about, but a couple things that have really helped me, uh, number one, um, be like, make a list every day or make a schedule for yourself. If you're setting your own schedule and, and responsible for your own work and accomplishments, make lists, check boxes that helps, and hold yourself yeah. accountable. The other thing I'll say is, um, uh, do you have any kind of like uh, you have any kind of physical activity in your life? I have open space nearby that I'm trying to start hiking. And I recently cleaned out the garage to set up a rowing machine. OK. OK. I would say develop a physical activity routine. And that could be a whole bunch of things. Like you know, some people are just like go out and 
you know, go out and hike type people. Some people are bike riding people. Some people are gym people. But hold yourself to um, a, a routine of physical activity. And that will keep you in something close to your best form physically. But also just you want to talk about like motivation, feeling good, all of those things. Endorphins, I personally think are key. And it helps you build a a good routine into your life, too. So especially if you live like um, it sounds like you're doing a lot of desk work, chair work. I barely leave my room. Right. So that's how I've been pretty much my whole adult life, too. And the more I get. The more I was just sitting in the chair all the time and not doing anything physical, the more just the worse my mental condition, like my attitude, my probably my work ethic, too. So just set aside. That would be my recommendation. Just set aside and set aside some time for physical stuff and stick to that routine. Working out is key. And all of the things that you're worried about are modifiable factors like um, working out and chicks don't care about baldness. They will care about the income and living with your mom, but you're not paying any rent right now and you're pretty young. You're not like 35 and living with your mom. So if no. you spend the next few years like really working hard, getting some money in the bank, um, any chick that looks back on this will be like, oh, he was just uh, trying to make himself better and she won't care. Yeah, you could leave California and probably get you know uh, some kind of property elsewhere. This does that's not sound like a hopeless case at all. No, I I appreciate the slight bit of hope. I'll try well, and have some more of that for myself as well. Definitely hope. It's um, it's just a, a question of can you be your own boss? But at least in my experience, one hundred percent, you want to be. Even if it yeah. doesn't feel natural, it's so much better than having some jackass tell you what you do, what to do. Oh yeah, so totally. Definitely you know, tr- try to be your the, own. Female dating criteria: the number one female dating criteria, even above wealth, is height. Hmm. On every dating website, every hmm. single dating website. So women would rather have a uh, uh, a tall man of modest financial means than a shorter man a short, who's loaded. Guy. Yeah. Interesting. Also, they don't care well, about bald, tall guys. They don't care about bald fatties. They don't care about fat, bald, poor, tall guys. They don't care about fatness either. Mm-mm. That surprises me. I mean, you know, there's a there's a line here. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like super fat. I know super fat people because I was raised around like board gamers. Hmm. I went to like conventions and things. There was one guy who was short and fat and like he had a shirt that would go down to like his thighs or lower and his belly would still hang out below it. It was. Oh, God. California. Well, sounds like you know what to do. You called in knowing the answer. You just yeah, need to it's, work harder. It's good to hear it. It's good to hear it from other people and get that like confirmation. Yeah, yeah. you have the inclinations. It's just yeah. on you to yeah. to to actualize it. Totally. Feel like totally. a self help help book. Wish it, want it, do it. Like from Brian, Brian's <laughs> book on Family Guy or something. Yeah, really. You've done the wishing it and the wanting it. Now you must do just it. Do it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna try. Thank you guys very do, much. No, no, no. Do up. or do not. There is no try. Okay. That's the Yoda wisdom. Do it. Yeah, you will, will do it. Do it. All right. <laughs> the next time you call you in, much. I want to hear how you are making six figures and uh, you're an Olympic yeah, really. athlete. And Oh, uh, wait. There is something else. There, um, I would go to a gym because you, you can meet chicks there, but there are apps true. that can tell you, like personal trainer apps that can tell you what to do at the gym. Yeah. And that, that's huge, too, because um, 
that's why I opted to like do group classes and stuff because before I did that, I would just go to the gym and like hang around and look at my phone and not really actually do anything. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you got to know what to do. Yeah. So I, I do need to get like outside of, the I just property. got a personal trainer changed my life. Yeah. You, yeah. if, if you can get some, if your phone can tell you to work harder, that's great. Or if yeah. a person can just stand there and tell you, you're lazy. Work hard. <laughs> Go faster. There's probably an Do app for that too. Yeah. An app that just tells you that you're fat. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just motivates you. All right. I can send super chats and get people to tell me I'm fat and to work harder too. <laughs> well, we do offer that service. Yes, we do. It's a service we <laughs> offer you, not right. vice versa. All right. Thank you for Thank calling. you, man. Good luck. Thank you very much. Uh, did you see this news today? Speaking of other good news today. No. Martin Shkreli out of jail early. Is He's he back. really? Yeah. I heard that um some chick left her left her husband for him. She was a Huffington Post writer. Yeah. And then uh she, he like broke up her family and then I uh, then he dumped her. <laughs> That's a very Martin Shkreli thing to do. And if people are wondering why I would like Martin Shkreli, don't you know he jacked up the medication prices and all? That? Well, it was for AIDS, right? I think I think it was an AIDS medication. Who cares? Why, why do? <laughs> right. Number one, who cares? Number yeah. two, though, there are few dedicated masterful trolls on the Shkreli level. What did he say to that Huffington Post writer that wrote right. to him? So the best thing, I mean, he's done many a hilarious public comment, but he, I forget what he did. Huffington Post sent an email to him requesting comment on some bad thing he did. And he responded, lol, suck a dick. And it was in the Huffington Post story. Shkreli <laughs> responded to this, this Do you reporter. think that that was the journalist that left her her husband for him oh maybe maybe he really that is so funny so yeah. previous caller that's how you get chicks you you tell them to suck your balls <laughs> and then apparently they will suck your balls that was part of the amber heard johnny depp trial too i uh what i haven't been tuning in but but my wife is kind of into it so i get little glimpses here and there and um something about how amber heard there was a recording of one of her kind of a abusive or just verbally hostile exchanges with Johnny Depp. And she was yelling at Johnny Depp to suck her dick. (laughs) I don't know. That is, that's, that's, uh, that was their marital conversation, I guess. Anyway. Okay. Let's try uh, Chris to the J Chris. Are you there? Hey, how are you guys doing? We are well. What's on your mind? Not too much. Uh, I did have a, um, I guess you could call it a topical topic uh, mm. with everything surrounding the disinformation board, determining what it is and is not truth, quote unquote. Mm. So it's more of a uh, Socrates question, uh, and I'm, I'll be interested to hear what uh, Juan's opinion is on this. Mm. So do we agree that truth is objective or subjective? Objectively, of course, you can't change it. It's objectively true. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously, truth would be objective. Yes. Now, where would we get that objectivity from? God. And most, of course, meaning mostly the word of God through the Bible, correct? And natural law. Which is an extension of God's law through the Bible. Correct. Yes. Sorry, I keep thinking these questions are rhetorical, so I'm not. I'm not answering them. Well, I mean, they are in a way. Um, the, the reason I I, I ask this is because I'm actually 
you know, I've, I've called in before, but this is the first time I've been able to call in because of work situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm able to call because I'm at home with family. And we are actually, um, not sure if either of you know who John MacArthur is. I uh, don't. He's a pastor out of California. Mm-hmm. And he does these conferences from time to time about truth matters and just sort of the biblical worldview. And that started today, and that's why I'm at home with family. So it's mm-hmm. more of, I'm just, I wanted to sort of suggest looking into that because we, they had three guest speakers in a way. It was MacArthur who opened it up, uh, talking about the biblical worldview in of itself, meaning you take the Bible as it is written, because in de- depending on the Christian worldview, the Bible is the ultimate truth. It is God's law given to man, gifted to man through the disciples and through uh, the Jewish population and all the prophets and such. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm following you. Is there, uh, I suppose, when you say that this was topical and you were kind of referencing the disinformation board, um, what is the connection or is there one? Well, connection being with subjectivity, you can have such things as a disinformation board Hmm. because the subjectivity of truth would be truth is in the eye of of man. It comes from one of itself. So in reality, with subjective truth, there is no truth because each other, everybody contradicts each other. Well, yeah, and I think uh, you're probably right there. These are people who... I think largely believe that morality itself is a human construction, that it is defined however we choose to define it. And if that's the case, truth is a human construction. It's defined however we choose to define it. And if, if both of those are true, then they're both basically the exercise of power. Whoever controls the definition of those things controls a hell of a lot. If you get to swing your wand and or wave your wand and say that, whatever you want is true and or moral. Uh, and anyone who dares disobey is, I guess, therefore a liar or some kind of uh, criminal. There's a lot of power in that. You basically control the world. But not as much power as you would think as well. Well, there's certainly power, but it's, it becomes contradictory again. Hmm. Um, because the thing about with objective truth is you have a source to go back on. Because you can definitively say, again, if, if there's agreement about what objective truth is, you can go back and say, with going back to the Bible uh, from the Christian worldview, which I believe is correct, meaning that the Bible is truth because it comes from God, mm-hmm. you can say there are only men and women. There's no, there's no gender or sex difference. It's, it's literally just male and female mm-hmm. created in this image. Uh, we recruit. There is creation. We're not just atoms uh, drifting through space. We were created with a purpose. Uh, depending <clears throat> on your interpretation of the creation in Genesis one through eleven, six days of creation, which is the biggest miracle in the world, um, or if you want to add science into that, and we sort of lose some of the objectivity in my view, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot to, 
a lot to think about there, but, um, but I suppose you're right. We'll probably have to leave it there for time, but if you had any yeah. closing thoughts, I'll, uh, I'll let you have them. Well, I would certainly recommend, especially for you, Matt, I know with looking into, um, into what's his name, C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. and sort of the, what makes Christianity so appealing or what, what is the Christian worldview? I'd certainly recommend looking into John MacArthur and some of his, um, his preaching, especially the book, uh, the gospel according to Jesus, okay. which was, he, uh, it, it's based off of a sermon series he did back in the seventies on the book of Matthew verse by verse, which took him seven years to complete because there was so much information in there that he wanted to express to his congregation mm-hmm. that he ended up making it into a book. Okay. So I would certainly recommend at least looking into some of his sermons. They get really deep and heavy. But it's all sort of, it's all simplistic because he just takes the the word as written. Okay. Uh, well, doesn't add a whole lot of extra fluff to it that some other pastors. I will give it some consideration. And real quick before we let you go, are there any Convention of States updates? Uh, um, as of right now, I know that Ohio had a hearing, I believe it was either yesterday or Monday, in their committee, uh, committee of finance, if I remember right. Uh, the problem with most things is about half the country now, the state legislators are in sign die, which is essentially hmm. no more legislative action this term. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, depending on your state, like I know with Montana, I don't believe they have a, uh, a session this year. And so that would be postponed to next year. Yeah. Um, we've got a good, uh, we, I mean, we've had a legislator, a legislature that I think would be friendly to it. So hopefully we can, uh, well, you would think that I know the past couple of times it's gone through there. It has, it has, uh, died on. Well, floor. they haven't heard from me yet. Maybe I'll get, yeah. into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, nobody uh, knows more about, uh, convention of States, at least that I know than you do. So thank you for the updates. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I think that's one of the quickest ways to sort of, prevent some of the actions that we've been seeing yeah sure at least slow it down nationally yeah <clears throat> all right well thank you for the thoughts yeah no problem. appreciate it have a great nice night talking to you guys again. talk to you later bye-bye okay we are right on time for a break um i think i missed a couple on d live on sunday potentially but uh ask about my wiener thanks for supporting the show and uh, music man as well let's see uh, over on Tippy Stream, we have this great trolley person. Uh, when I fart, people run away. <laughs> I bet they do, Matt, especially when you eat all that survivalist food. Oh, I, I don't commonly eat Ew. survivalist food. But, have you, uh, you've eaten it, though, right? We've talked about it. Uh, I have. I have. But um, but it's not something that I would choose, you know? Yeah. I don't know if it causes gas or not. But uh, I suppose if you actually had to eat that stuff, gas is the least of your concerns in such a situation. Anyway, um, yeah, let's catch up on YouTube and then we'll get back to the calls. Holden Mulray. um, Hi, a favorite moment from 1883 is when, was it Shay? Yeah, Sam Elliott's character. Sam mm, Sam Elliott, yeah. Yeah. Tells the Bohemians that they're nothing but pioneers and nothing but the journey till they get to Oregon. Is the end worth the sacrifice? Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for some of them, probably not that guy whose uh, wife died of TBI and he lost his leg. 
No spoilers. I would say he wants to go back to Germany or whatever. <laughs> yeah, jo- Joseph or whatever his name was. Yeah, he had a guy. real rough draw. Um, uh, maybe he married some hot Indian. And- yeah, they. Uh, I don't want to spoil any. I love the show. I recommend it to to anybody, uh, especially if you're a Yellowstone fan. So I don't want to say too much, but um, but yeah, if they if they didn't in the end, they didn't have a lot of good closure for Yosef. He really <laughs> poor Yosef. Yeah, poor Yosef. Um, but yeah, one of the reasons I, I mean, I loved that show for so many reasons. One, I have kind of a romanticized perception of this part of the country. And so I just, a lot of it was filmed around here too, as they get uh, the later episodes were filmed around here. So I love that. But, but to the point of just what people were willing to sacrifice to achieve freedom, their own property, build something out of nothing. Yeah. Uh, that's. You know, I mean, there. Don't get me wrong. There are some sucky times right now. We're dealing with some, some hard times brought on by weak men, as the proverb uh, um, predicts. But it's just a reminder of what sort of massive effort and massive sacrifice people were willing to make to, to take on that kind of effort to build something for themselves and to to have something to show for it. And so I found it very inspirational, even though it's also very sad. Yeah. But um. You said you liked it more than Yellowstone, yeah? Oh, yeah. It was way better. Hmm. <clears throat> Can't stop thinking about that Indian guy. <laughs> Who is an actual Indian. I thought he was Hawaiian or some bullshit. But he no, is, no. He's actual Indian. There's something uh, noble about an Indian man. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Bill Biz, even though it's predictable, it's still amazing to see the difference in media coverage and White House response between Waukesha and Buffalo. That's true. Buffalo's largely out of the news although i didn't read the news today there's not a lot new coming out because we a lot of the facts were already available through the manifesto so biden did go to buffalo and he gave a speech and i haven't listened to the speech in its entirety but the clips i've heard he actually i mean he, he gave the sort of commentary you'd expect we can't allow hate like this to manifest but i thought it was i guess i was expecting it to be a little more politically charged i thought he was going to go there and really say like it's your fault and this person's yeah. fault and you guys inspired him i didn't Too hear a many ton of contradictions that. in the uh, manifesto probably yeah I, I mean obviously there's a lot of blame for people try to blame tucker and they try to blame fox news and all even though the kid the kid hated fox news but yeah but as far as uh yes well yeah he was not a fan of a lot of uh media outlets if you if you read that manifesto but um but yeah, I, I uh, Biden's speech didn't seem as inflammatory as I thought it it might be. That was really the only update. Um, Bill Biz, even though it's predictable, I just read that. On a second thought, we need a woman president. Wow, blonde, I guess you've given this more thought. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Episcopalian standoff. Blonde, someone super chatted academic agent today when John Doyle was on and said, John's the best pathway from normie to dissonant right. I disagree. It's your presence on this show. Step it up. <laughs> Thank you. I hope I'm converting people from constitutional conservative um, to radicalized dissident right. That's the my battle goal. carries on yep. forever uh, and always. Nathan Bullock, hang in there on the balding man. I have alopecia, so I've been bald since I was 13. Hmm. Yeah, and Nathan's getting it with the chicks, so it's fine. I actually Congratulations, don't know that about you, Nathan. Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Broken guitar plays no note. Thank you, Rob V. 
Hey guys, great show, avid listener, first time commenter, blonde. I heard you mention on a previous stream you quit booze for good. Any pointers? Looking for some anecdotes if you're comfortable talking about it. Yes, I quit drinking uh, 11 years ago. 11 years ago. And then I got drunk twice since then. The first time was a disaster. And then about three years ago, I had three glasses of wine and nothing happened, which for an alcoholic in many ways is like much worse. Hmm. Um, I quit by smoking copious amounts of marijuana, which is not a way I would suggest. Um, I went to AA. That helped a little bit. I don't go anymore. I don't know what I have done, but I am never tempted to drink, even though people drink around me constantly. Hmm. Uh, but I think that just the longer you have periods of abstinence, the more you know, or the less you rely on it in your life. And so really just do whatever works for you. AA works for a lot of people. It does. But yeah, for the most part, I've been sober for it might even be longer, 11 or 11 or 12 years. Hmm. Yeah, that's it for now. All right. We will return to your chats uh, at the top of the hour. Thank you. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Speaking of Jen, did you see her replacement? Any of those? I'm sure we'll talk about it on Sunday. I saw but... some um, Babylon B memes. Ah, by the way, last time last time we talked about Jen Sackey's, um, uh black lesbian woman replacement, we were wondering what her nickname is. As soon as the stream was over, someone emailed me. I felt so stupid because we were Jen over. Blackie. It's Jen Blackie. I know. And I don't say that with racist intent. I say that because she she insists that we know that she is a black lesbian woman. Not just that Jen Psaki was celebrating that, but this Corrine Jean-Pierre, she gets up there the other day and says, I am the first black lesbian woman ever to have this. Okay, Jen Blackie, congratulations. Really losing her edge, man. Yeah. So Jen Blackie it is because she insists that we honor her blackness. So I will. She is Jen Blackie. And she gave a response to Peter Ducey. Peter Ducey asked her, um, Biden tweeted the other day that we need to raise taxes on corporations and or the wealthy to address inflation. How does that work? Can you explain to me how raising taxes really on anybody addresses inflation? Yeah. And she gave the most Kamala-esque answer. She was half reading and she talked about climate change and she talked about. This is going to be awesome. Oh, man. Jen Psaki, dare I say, was remarkably skilled compared to this woman. They both have the impossible task of defending the indefensible. But Jen Psaki managed to be somewhat coherent, somewhat fluid. This woman so far looks like a complete disaster. Yeah, yeah. So the highlight reels will come. Anyway. um, My toe hurts so goddamn much. The the toe stub, huh? Mr. Reloaded AK, are you there? Oh, hey, guys. What up? What's on your mind? Uh, nothing much. Um, good Lord. I, I feel like you guys have done the shooter thing enough already, and I'm trying to go over. I guess I, I, I maybe I don't want to talk about the shooter so much as the, the implications behind um, what you said, Matt, about it, trying to people trying to suppress speech enough to where they don't, a lot of these kinds of people don't have a feel like they have an, a constructive outlet to yeah, sure. express their concerns. And to be honest, this is exactly what uh, is the point of doing all this online censorship and censorship in many other forms from like shutting down your bank accounts or, you know, trying to have people visit your house or, you know, the and like the doxing stuff like that. Yeah, because these people will not never win in a fair fight 
in terms of like rhetoric because their entire um, worldview is just uh, anti-human. I guess to put it, I can't really argue with that. There doesn't seem like they're big fans of uh, of life and liberty and any of the concepts that go along with that. Oh, it's yeah. We even leaving the Constitution aside, it's just like um, you're looking at uh, a group like I guess a hodgepodge group of people that have been able, that have been propagandized to the point of hating a specific group so much mm-hmm. that they're willing to, that would be whites that they are willing to ignore any other form of, um, I guess, hypocrisy or anything else to be able to get that one that one up on them in any way, shape, or form. Because if they do not keep um, the white man held down, then the moment he slip, he breaks free, free slips of their grip, then they lose. Mm-hmm. More or less, because... If you notice, the, like with the manifesto of the the shooter and everything about the white replacement theory, you're <clears> noticing <throat> more people now start to talk about that. At the very least, you're uh, you're you're getting at least you know average people asking, well, why is this a why are you saying this isn't a thing to begin with? Because I'm, I'm looking at articles right now from all the way back in 2014 about, well, America will become majority minority in 2045. Yeah, they uh, advertise America, it all America's the time. White, yeah. Yeah, America's white population will be, you know, will not be a majority in blank year, like 2019, so on and so forth. And they and even so go beyond when, that. They talk about the the political implications of it. They say that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was one, I think, from the, I don't remember if it was the New York Times or something. It was talking about, like, uh, Republicans will be uh, will be dealing with the further political implications of California with changing demographics. Yeah, Texas will be a, a blue of, state, is their, is their forecast, cynically, you'd say, plan. Yeah, and unfortunately, due uh, to uh, due to circumstances, the Republicans are currently technically the quote unquote white party, because there's, most people think there's nothing else to go to, even though they basically throw their main lines constituents under the bus, you know, after every election, and then you know suck up to them around the time of the election because they realize they still need the votes, mm-hmm. even though they're basically no different than any Democrat in the long run. I mean. It, well, they unite on the just, important things like aid for Ukraine. You know, everyone gets along for. Well, I mean, aid for Ukraine, <laughs> yeah. like not really enforcing border control or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. They'll give yeah, you yeah. the they'll give you the um the the lip and the lip service and everything. Like, uh, we don't need illegal immigration. Then suddenly they whisper, but we can do H one B visas. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So whenever uh, and I'm not gonna say that this. 18 year old kid was a glowy i'm just with him being like i was wondering what the hell that martha speaks uh picture was edited picture was this whole time that furry porn shit but was that and real I or not it out, it's real okay that's what that i was trying to martha speaks is like a cartoon and i was wondering what the hell that that uh altered image was so if but i, I understand this it was on his phone while he was kind of doing the drive around at the parking lot is that when this was I believe so, but okay. I, I was all I saw was the edited image of just basically that dog having the dog Martha, I guess, having <laughs> yeah. the Ahegao face from from fucking hentai. So okay. I'm just I was so confused. I but so this kid was watching furry porn, or at least had it on his phone at the time. Meanwhile, he talks about white replacement. I mean, this kid was just basically messed up. But that, but we've mentioned this more, yeah, more than one time that the fed, the federal agents love. Love those soft targets. They love to bait those. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like that. You're right. It, like it, it it doesn't necessarily mean entire FBI or Fed concoction. 
it might just be uh well i suppose grooming of another sort you know like hey uh you ever thought about doing this uh says says you know not the atf guy on discord that he was talking to well i'm uh do you guys uh you guys remember um i mean they were tied in order nine angles like the uh adam waffen yeah do you guys remember hearing about adam waffen in their like fbi bust or whatever no, no, I don't know anything about it. Oh, well, apparently, um, uh, this was about a year or so ago, and uh, I'd ha- I wish I had the article, you know, to be able to pull off from, but Adam Waffen was basically just like the se- uh, another, like, fed honeypot that basically just, it was the, they ended up getting, like, a federal informant to be able to lead it eventually, or, like, to become the head of it, and they basically caused all these impressionable, spurgy, like, 18-year-old dudes to just uh, like post some po- fed posts real hard. And they were performing some really weird rituals and shit like that. And eventually, you know, they got busted, but this guy named Eric Stryker actually dove into the whole case and realized and like made the connection yet again, that the fed, whenever the FBI like solves a crime, it, in these days, especially there's a 95% chance that they're the ones that caused the crime. <laughs> yeah. Safe bet. I think. And Have you I seen think, this furry porn? Let's get to the important stuff. Martha speaks. I mean, I've seen the I've seen the still image of Martha with the titties, the Martha dog with the titties. That's about it. Within that okay. eye face, I don't want to talk. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to look for it. I haven't you, seen this, but as a connoisseur of weird internet stuff, um, with the furries, do they like take out their human phallus? Uh, I mean, technically, well, Martha's the female. Martha's Martha's the female dog with the tits, so I don't know if there was another dog that did it, or maybe a human that got with the dog. I <laughs> wait. Don't isn't know. furries when you um like dress? It's like humans having sex with each other, but their dresses. Well, it- like an- think of anthropomorphic animals, more or less. Try but going is it with two that. furries or one furry and this one. This is just a PBS Martha's- show. Yeah, it's a PBS show about a dog, a talking dog. Oh, and so they give the dog like. It's what it, what's the best way to think of like 4chan has the answers to this. Well, 4chan, <laughs> but I mean, think of like fucking um, what Lion O from Thundercats. Like, mm. the, the, just you you cross that line to like you're getting into more animal than like human anatomy, but now you're throwing a human anatomy on animals just for the fun of it. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand kids these days. I don't know, she and I certainly can't understand this kid because there was a there was a solid section of the this manifesto of his that was. Uh, sternly against pornography and urging everybody not to consume it and to quit it. And, and yet here he is with his, I know it, furry porn. It, it, ah! at the, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Don't, I didn't want to look for it. You can find it on your own, but at the but very, at this least, point, think, why wouldn't you just look at porn? Because well, it is porn. Is it that's not? how badly it's just weird, weirder porn. Well, it, well, I mean, that's the idea of porn is that eventually it don't hit like it used to. Yeah. So you find you go down a rabbit hole and suddenly you, uh, you, you start responding to things in a little bit of weird way and you start wanting to experiment like, ah, mm. well, let me go look at this furry porn or mm. let me. Uh, this is not I mean, at all por- what I expected. I mean, Pornhub likes to push the whole like fucking incest angle nowadays. So ah! it's not that surprising. <laughs> okay, I have to stop. All right. Any, uh, yeah, uh, you're walking down a dark. Any well, final I, thoughts the, from you? The final thoughts would be, I think anybody that's nominally right wing from like Matt constitutionalist conservative all the way to fascist 
uh, hard hard right wingers can easily agree on the FBI needs to be abolished. Uh, yes, we can find common general. ground there. They, that is for sure. Yeah, because they they will they they will gay up us all. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's probably correct. All right, well, thank you for uh, the call, man. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Have a good night, guys. I was uh, joking. Um, my wife and I were talking about the Lori Lightfoot, you know, call to arms the other like last week, and I was joking. Like, I I don't know why. I just feel like uh, I'm going to have this ironic death. I'm probably going to die in the gay war. I'm probably going to get <laughs> shot in the gay war, and that's how I'll die. And, but now I'm worried. And a friend texted me the other day. It's like, what happens when, uh, you know, Civil War two hits and these people show up and it's a bunch of furries with, you know, ARs. Am I getting am I going to get killed by a furry in the next Civil War? I just don't want to die in a hilarious way. You know, are, are the furries on our team? <laughs> They're not on our team. But that's <laughs> are the furries on the leftist team or the anti leftist team? I don't know how this works, but but to your point. I, yeah, I, I guess I don't necessarily want to die in any particular way. I don't know. But do you ever get the feeling like you're going to die in a hilarious way? All the time. Yeah. Why do I have that feeling? They, they, I don't they, know, because people are constantly threatening to kill us. <laughs> Probably you more than me. At least I, I haven't had How a good. How often do you get a, a, a death threat? Oh, it's pretty rare. Maybe like a handful of times a year. Yeah. Me too. No, not much. Um, actually, when I was more into video games, they were more common. I think that was more commonly a part of the video game community than the uh, political community. I, I get uh, I get one through the forum every once in a while, though. Do you think it's better to die in the gay war or the furry war? Which one is more Oof. embarrassing? Gay war? I don't know why. <laughs> That's better? <laughs> yes. I don't know, man. I I reject all of this. I'm going to get boot stomped on my face by some flamers combat boots, you know, but they're not even going to be like real army or marine combat boots. They're going to be like fashion <laughs> combat boots. Oh, that's no, how I'm going to go out. So, that's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want to. Mean Steve, are you there? Hey, yeah. What's going on, Matt? What's up, blonde? Hi. Uh, we are all right. What's on your mind? Uh, originally I was kind of thinking about talking about, um, like fuel, gas, energy, and all these smooth brain leftists, but I'd rather talk about, uh, kind of pick up where, what Phil was talking about earlier. Mm. Okay. okay. Uh, a message of hope. Yeah. Keep things a little more positive. Um, talking about role models and whatnot. So I was curious, um, Blonde, I know you've mentioned your brother a few times. He taught you how to cook, taught you how to do this, taught you how to do that. And I know Matt. I think I remember a story about you and your dad hiking. I was just kind of curious what kind of role models you guys have had. Uh, the one up. where they almost died. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't almost die. We almost, almost died. Uh, yeah. Okay. But like, you know, if you would have just decided to keep going, it would have been one of those episodes of I survived or they would have found your bodies. Uh, yeah. yeah maybe. <laughs> All right. You go first, though. Um, I hope my brother's, in fact, I know my brother's not listening to this because he's never listened to the podcast. So I guess I can talk about how he's inspired me. And all yeah, even though he's that. arguably a creator, <laughs> my brother. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, um, you know, he wasn't like a great influence on me or anything. He got me into some drugs and alcohol at a young age and he's hasn't been great, but he's really turned it around with his influence over the last few years. And he's the only person that can help me get my OCD under control. Because he just mm. mocks me relentlessly. Um, I don't know. There's just something about him. People are really 
drawn to him and it makes me want to be like him and um he's just really smart and interesting and he's he's been a good role model in that way like intellectually been a good role model um and then by exposing me to all these bad things when i was young uh my life descended into complete ruin and there are a lot of benefits to that you know like having yeah. to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and such um yeah i i don't know he's probably the greatest influence in my life and i'm grateful that i my i have my brother and sister especially growing up hmm. My parents are fine too. They're okay. <laughs> yeah, it would be hard for me to pick anybody outside of my family as far as um, role models, safety nets, all of those sorts of things. And um, obviously, I would include my dad in that. My brother was was and is hugely influential on on who I am, and and my mom in sort of a different way too. You know, I, like I think about my parents and what they provided me. They're distinctly different roles. My dad is kind of like that go out and do something, f have an adventure type role. Yeah. And my mom is like the, you know, nurture, take care of you, um, always support you even if you make a stupid decision or whatever, you know, the classic mom role. My brother, sure. um, in a lot of my brother's influence has been since losing him um, before there was a lot of influence beforehand too. But I used to be such an ultra safe person. I mean, like never take a risk. My brother was kind of the opposite end of that where he would just see something like, I wonder, I don't know. One time he just drove his Jeep through a park because he thought it would be cool. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of, I wonder if I could do this. Like he would just do right. stuff and I, I'll never get to that level. Like I'm more of a rule follower than he was, but you know, um, my brother taught me a lot about risk taking and the reason I have what I have in the form of this show or, you know, in the form of this community is because Learning from him, I, I became more risk accepting and uh, I, I put aside mediocrity, took risks to build something that I think was a little bit better. And so and so here we are. Um, so, you know, my my mom, my dad, and my brother have all been hugely influential in different ways. But I think that role models in family, too. It's not like anybody ever sits you down and like, listen, I'm a role model for you. You know, it's it's right. just it's implied and it's natural because they're there. And I can't. I mean, I can't imagine who I would be or what I would be like if it wasn't for every single one of those family members in my life. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, you know, it's it, not everybody has the benefit, of, you know, people die. There are marriage splits. There are all sorts of reasons why you might not have the benefit of that intact family. But you want to talk about like the moral obligation to maintain it. That's why. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's both safety and inspiration and guidance for everybody involved in that arrangement. And that's what I hope to give my son and, and God willing some, some more kids in the future too. Right. Yeah. And definitely that stability too. And yeah. like you said, you're not, I'm your father. I'm your role model. No, it's just yeah, like yeah. you're just there. You're dependable. You, you know, you're a provider, all, all the above. Um, and I was just thinking about what Phil was talking about. And it's just, I mean, uh, maybe it's obvious, but it just kind of dawned on me. Like these roles, family, uh, they're more important than ever. Right? I can't imagine how handicapped, uh, like, different teachers are or maybe even like football coaches or something some of the other role models i kind of yeah. had growing up i mean i can't imagine uh 
like football practice this is too masculine. You guys need to like stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. Like, there's there's the corona stuff too. Just like a lot of that stuff being right. shut down. But yeah, yeah. I wonder. Man, I, I bet you're right. Like I haven't. I was never like a traditional athletics. You know, I, I played like junior high football, and then I was out. You know, and I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't carry on with baseball very long or anything like that. So I don't have a sense of like how it was even when I was in high school. But you're probably right that a lot of that stuff is like hostile to traditional masculinity at this point not just oh, yeah. like misleading <laughs> but like actively hostile to hostile it. right and i remember you know there's always like some wimpy kids and they would complain and the coach would just be like you know blow it out your ass like get back and on the field <laughs> or whatever i could see you know coaches getting in a lot of trouble for talking like that now yeah it was kind of like oh god i know they used to make our football team run without water and then like you get in oh, trouble yeah. if you <laughs> you would yep. get in trouble if you barfed if you barfed yeah. <laughs> they were just like you know they, wow they're kind of like ridicule you and they like they just like humiliate you and then be like all right now get out of here because you're almost dead we don't want you dying <laughs> on the field you're pathetic get out of here yeah you, you pussy know? yeah yeah exactly but you know the kids who made it through it you know they were strong as hell like it was funny going through all that stuff and then I'd go home and like my sister would be complaining about this and oh she has a test and oh life is so hard I was like I was just getting yelled at by a madman for like five hours yeah. like, <laughs> I thought I was gonna die like, <laughs> well, like and this it's, shit is easy it's humbling too it's not just the hostility toward masculinity it's the other side of it that we're on now with um, not just like we've abandoned challenge in that way, but we've gone the other side of it where it's just like Mm -hmm. undeserved praise. Yeah. And of course I want to be supportive for my son, but, but this kind of like participation trophy nonsense, you know, I I want him to realize that great things require great work and not everything you do. Your first try is great work. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes you do just an okay job. Um, And that's, that's how you learn like through failure. Like I just heard like some, I think it's a Jordan quote about that. He's like, I failed constantly and that's why I'm so successful. Like, if, and it's, and it's, just, like, yeah. and it's so applicable to everything. It's like your, your business life, your academic life, your athletics. Um, but even with women, you know, it's like, I think oh, one of the reasons yeah. that I struggled with women for a long time is because I was terrified of failure. I never right. developed comfort with failure to get the girl, you know? Yeah. Oh my and god! So I've rejected so many times, but like, <laughs> I should have been. I should have been. You have but, to be. It's but like that's you, better not than failing. not trying. Like, exactly. you're talking, I I just couldn't get up the. A, a lot of times, I. That's a weird way to phrase it. I couldn't. Careful. <laughs> yeah. I I could not work up the courage to make the attempt, and so mm. when you talk about you know failures, it's like I didn't even get that far. You know. Right. It's like if you're not failing, you're not trying. Yeah. yeah. So. That's true. Yeah, cool. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate the the thought. And uh, yeah, sure. I guess uh, that's kind of like the theme of what I was thinking about. Just like go out there, just try it. Like you're talking about your show. Like yeah. if you're too afraid of failure, I wouldn't be here talking to you. You wouldn't be doing the show. Yeah. Uh, you got to just go out there and fail and fall on your face and learn. And you People, like looking for a purpose. Like don't sit there and think all day. Just try this. Try that. Try a whole bunch of shit. Yeah. Be yeah. Like, if you if you wait too long, like, oh, I'm going to set this up perfectly. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be so perfect. And then, hey, maybe you try it and you don't like it. It wasn't yeah. for you. And you wasted all that time. 
Yeah. So one of the biggest mistakes I made in my younger life is waiting for the world to come to me. You know. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and, you gotta go get it. There's a hell of a lot of opportunity out there for everybody, even in these uh, more trying times than usual. <laughs> there's a sure. lot of there's a lot of opportunity for everybody to seize. You just gotta you gotta put up the effort. Yeah. Fuck Nike, but just do it is like the best slogan ever. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate the uh, the thoughts and the positivity. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me on. Love talking yeah. to you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Have a great night. See ya. Okay, we are due for oh another gosh, break. Let me see. I think we're probably good over on uh, Tippy Stream. We are good on <sighs> DLive, so if we could just get a quick check-in on YouTube, we'll get right back to the calls. All right. Who was the last one? You know how I've been looking on Gorgrish, this um, like shock website with all these war pictures? I did not hear that, but I'm not surprised. Okay, well- I've been doing it anyway. So last week I found this picture of these two guys holding all of these um, skulls in the Korean war. And Mm. I remember seeing that at my grandmother's house. And I'm like fairly certain that it's my, my grandfather. He, you know, he was in the Korean war. I've yeah. And there's a picture before she died. Like I saw a picture of him with like dozens of skulls. There were, I'm I'm surprised there were photos of us well, I guess any things can happen under the radar, but I would imagine that the U.S. military would be kind of pissed about such a photo. Back then? Maybe maybe they would be now, but not back then, I guess. So I'm like pretty sure, though, this is circulating on some. Hmm. It's not a particularly gory picture, but they do look really happy. Hmm. Okay. Man, wartime. Isn't, isn't there a way to confirm that? Shouldn't someone in your family know? Um. Well, they know that that picture exists and everybody's seen it, but they don't know if it's this exact picture. I threw. I ran it through the facial imaging uh, software that I have, and nothing came up. Hmm. Okay. It looks like him. Hmm. I never met him though, so I've only seen pictures of him. Hmm. Um. Okay. Academic agent, balding man, avid listener. Uh, Trad Simp says, "Blonde, would you date? Would you date Tracy Atkins?" I. I don't even know. Do you know who that is? I don't know. I'm sorry, sorry. Matt McFadder. Hey, blonde, my partner mentioned your meatloaf and how I use Jew rye. Just another reason to put something Jewish in the oven. Do you have any other dishes that you make? It's what he said. Uh, Skag, (laughs) what about you or do you cook? Check out my Instagram. Yeah. Blonde underscore beast, I think. I have so many recipes on there and stuff that I always cook. Um, Check that out. Uh, What was the question? Do you cook Skag, what do you cook? Oh, uh, basically nothing. I mean, my wife... Uh, my wife is when we're having meals together, my wife is, is cooking that sort of thing. Is there anything that I every once in a while, I'll make like a breakfast for us, but that's not anything more than, you know, like scrambled eggs and toast. And there's nothing really fancy that I cook. That's okay. Um, Staples are important. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we, we don't really, we don't spend a lot of time cooking anything extravagant. We, we keep it pretty basic. And uh, I'm such a creature of habit that it's like I like the same kind of food <laughs> frequently anyway. So it doesn't matter. What I do me. know is that they use an air fryer a lot. Pretty much every day. We air fry <laughs> everything. Um, that's been the latest thing. It's, it's the air fried potatoes, which is great because once the world is truly in uh, the struggle that's coming, we can grow our own potatoes. And if there's power, we can air fry we them. Can air fry them. <laughs> yeah. But the little, you know, the little, um, the golden and red potatoes, the little ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, air fry those. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe I should get an yeah. air fryer. 
I'm maxed out on kitchen utensils, though. You got to get one of the... I'll send you the one that we have because it's one of those like do-all type air fryers. It air fries, it toasts, it bakes, it reheats food. Um, we, it's Is there like kind any of Teflon in it though. I don't. I don't think so. Mm. Not that I'm aware. It's all just like it's all just metal. I don't think there's any. I coating. just spent five hundred dollars on a vacuum, so I don't know. Five hundred. Listen, okay. I've gotten two to three Bissels in the last four years, each costing $150. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this anymore. My Bissell just took a big shit. That's what and we I was have. Like, Isn't that the Canadian company? I don't know, but it was for I think dog that's hair. What we have. So I did yeah. a ton of research on Dyson's and robotic vacuums. Huh. And I got this amazing RoboRock vacuum, this robot vacuum that also mops. And it does a good job by itself? It is amazing. Like huh. I can't... I just like sat on my ass yesterday and then like looked at my phone and watched it clean the house. It was fucking amazing. $500. Well, if it does a great yeah, job, it, maybe it's if worth it. If it does a great job mopping and vacuuming and I can use it for three years, hmm. then it's already beat my three Bissels. All right. We're still at the Bissell stage, so maybe we'll get to this level. You eventually. don't have a big dog, though. He does shed a, a good amount, but I'm sure he does not shed on the level that uh, that your dogs do. Or, well... Yeah, because you got the the Great Pyrenees and the Husky, right? Yeah, that's got to be a lot of hair. Yeah, totally. Hmm. Um, I'm all about this robot vacuum. It's my least favorite chore. I've got to do it every single day. Hmm. Um, Robin D. Banks, I'm telling you. Oh no, I skipped Holden Mulray. The English word baptism comes from Greek baptizo, to dip in liquid. Uh, by the arrival of an English Bible in the 1600s, folks have been sprinkling infants, so a new word was co-opted to avoid conflict. Really. He also said instances of baptism in the New Testament clearly point to immersion as a repentant believer, not an infant. Romans 6 describes it as a burial and likeness to that of Christ. Acts records many acts. Huh, that's interesting. Because I, I got baptized when I was 13. They said, you know, you, you are, are relinquished of all of your sin. Hmm. So I've always wondered, why don't they wait until like... You've accumulated some sin. Do they have to do it? Right? <laughs> yeah. um, Robin D. Banks, I'm telling you, 2022 is the year of the red pill. They have the House, the Senate, and the presidency, but they're still taking all these L's recently. Hey, that'd be that'd be great. They are, although, and I'm I, assuming that this, this is an election of any integrity whatsoever. I'm very confident rolling into it. However, um, I did. I was watching the returns on the the uh, the Pennsylvania Senate stuff last night with Oz and McCormick and Barnett, and Oz is hanging on to a tiny lead right now. Which I just Oz says that he has changed his ways since doing TV shows about transgender children and all this nonsense. And I'm someone who's changed my mind on a lot of things too. But uh, I just I just don't buy Oz. I no. don't uh, I don't believe in Oz. So. I was kind of watching watching this, and then that got me looking at the Senate map. It's not very good. Uh, you look at the states that actually have a Senate election coming up in the fall. Yeah, it, it, it's realistically so. You have to hold Pennsylvania that is currently that's Pat Toomey's seat who's retiring. You have to hold, and then if you get Doctor Oz in there, like is that is that really great? I know. And as, as far as flips, you have Mark Kelly in Arizona, which is a realistic flip. You have Raphael Warnock, uh, Warnock in Georgia, which is a realistic flip. And that's really it. There's Nevada. But those are the only obvious flippables. Man, and that's Dr. still Oz. just like a, that's a two seat majority, including Dr. Oz. Yeah. And by the time you have Collins, Romney, Murkowski, 
maybe uh, she's up for election this year, I think, but I don't know. If, I don't think she's going to get primary now. And so, or maybe she will. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is there's realistic prospect of picking up like two and you have all these squishy people that don't seem like you can put a lot of faith in them. So the Senate, I was kind of discouraged looking at it. And the house obviously could go, the house could be a total landslide, but, um, but if the Senate, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess the best I can look forward to is just, can we stop? <laughs> can we, <laughs> can we stop these people and have two years of Joe doing nothing, which we kind of already have, but uh, I suppose that's better than status quo. I don't know. What's the point? The, the map, I guess what I'm saying happen. is the map is not as good as I kind of had thought it was until I looked at it a little more closely. Dr. Oz. Uh, yeah. Well, as of now, it looks like he's the guy. But they're probably going to get a recount because it was within like a few. It was within like a 0.2 percent or something like that with 95 percent of the vote. In. Anyway, uh, are we good? Yep. OK, we will come back to your chats uh, at the end of the show. Thank you, guys. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. Swiftner is up next. Swiftner, are you there? Hey. What's on your mind? Yeah, how are you doing? All right. So two things we could catch up on. I, I was just talking dangerous spaces. So I'm making the quick transition. I come through. All right. You guys can hear me. Yeah. Loud and clear. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Your audio just picked up really good, too. Sweet. All right. So I can either give you an update on my adventures in free country or I can oh, yeah. touch back to the phil- some of the philosophical questions from last week around the ideas of like what would we do in eternity assuming eternity what thing well it seems like blonde is not interested in the eternal well no i'll i'll do that question (laughs) well uh let's talk about adventures in free country then because remind me you had made this distinction between what free country and occupied territory is that or oppressed oppressed territory that's what it was Yes, blue counties, blue states, yeah. or really, it's not even blue. It's more like progressive run hellholes. Yeah. Like, you know, the states and cities of New York, Chicago, their respective counties, et cetera. All right, so um, why don't you give us an update from uh, Free Country? So this update for Free Country, you know, for any liberal or progressive friends, you know, everyone can share this anecdotally. So I took this drive out from my little corner of South Dakota through uh, to a project site in Helena, Montana. Hmm. And it was windy, and there was a wind warning. And I failed to appreciate what that really meant until I tried <laughs> to cross an elevated piece of land between two buildings. Oh, I oh, lost I just, him. I just lost him. Let's Maybe we can get him back, but I don't know if he... Maybe his internet disconnected or power cut or something, but yeah, he's totally gone. So perhaps we'll have to finish the story later. But um, yeah, assuming he took I-90 to get out here, it does get awfully windy like you'll feel like it's going to blow your car over uh yeah and like a lot of big rigs or just you know uh, any kind of truck that's got a lot like a broad side to it yeah that's got to be especially in winter too where maybe the road's a little slipperier anyway perhaps we will finish the story later let's try uh sneed and feed for now sneed are you there shalom fellow white people (laughs) that came through extra loud and clear but yes hello so, uh, yeah, I just got back from a, a trip in uh, Latin America for a month. And, okay. Uh, had the craziest experiences down there. Did Sex I walk tourism? Uh, it's basically the 60s and 70s down there. I mean, like, the Europeans love it down there. 
Yeah. Um, but I did ayahuasca five times. Um, Jeez. Yeah. I, uh, pretty hardcore. <sighs> See, How many I, chicks did you bang? Uh, I, I made out with a few, but uh, no, that doesn't... down the way. Yeah, I didn't bang any of them. I'm a good <laughs> Christian. I'll have you know. <laughs> okay. That but, can't be uh, what you wanted to talk about. Well, no, I wanted to talk about um, ayahuasca and um, that kind of thing. I mean, I don't want to be like Joe Rogan, you know, D- DMT Lamau, bro, but uh, it really changed my life. Okay. How so? Go know, on. Do you guys know anything about, like, ayahuasca? I don't. I'm reading about it right now. I've done peyote. Okay. Well, ayahuasca basically is a mix of like a root and uh, this leaf this that has DMT in it. Mm-hmm. And the root allows you to digest it. And uh, basically it's like a six to eight hour trip. And um, it we did it in the middle of the night. And um, I did it with a bunch of old gringos. And uh, they were all really boring, though. They just wanted to sit on their mat and just look at the pretty, you know, illusions and whatnot. But I wanted to be, like, up and about and running around in the, the Amazon and whatnot. Oh, they were oh. probably so annoyed with you. You're going to get mauled oh, yeah. by a jaguar or something like that. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. The Black Panthers are really tiny down there. But <laughs> is, it, um, um, is it always a – so is it a, always, like, a brewed drink or are there other ways to consume it? No, you have to brew it for, like, five hours in, okay. like, this big, big pot. And it looks, it tastes like burnt bad coffee, basically. Mm. Um, and the idea is it's a medicine to clear. I, the reason I did it personally was to um, conquer all the fear and anxiety that I have had in my life currently. Did and, it work uh, for anxiety? I'll try anything. Oh, no, no, it worked. It worked for sure. Because like, I actually visualized like all the bad energy within me and it became like kind of an illusion. And I saw it and visualized it, and then I killed it with like a spear. Um, and uh, after that, I haven't this is had any like vision quest shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I haven't had any uh, like fear or anxiety since then, or like negative emotional energy. Um, I'll and, run it by uh, my therapist. I'll be like, "Can I take a massive dose of some counterfeit? Is it ayahuasca?" Just you got to go to the Amazon and do it in its natural habitat. Is, you can't what is do this? It in the, what is the status in the U.S.? Can you is this legal so, to make and consume, or is it not? It's interesting because there was a um, a lawsuit about it. Like churches tried to sue and make it about a religious practice, and so oh. if you're a part of certain churches, uh, they allow it to be practiced in a religious setting. Um, but for the average person, it's still illegal under the uh, the Drug Act of Nixon. The active ingredient known as DMT is uh, is banned as a Schedule One drug. Yes, okay. in the same category as heroin and ecstasy. But really? in, in yeah, I mean this Why? bullshit. But in Latin America, it's legal. Like Ecuador, Colombia, Costa Rica, um, Brazil, it's all legal there. So um, there's a lot of retreats that you know target the gringos because they're the only ones that have the money. But um, basically, they they have these little ceremonies where you you are in a safe setting and uh, it's it's you you try to develop kind of like a therapy session but well, without all the western bullshit so when they say illegal unless for religious use i mean does that mean administered or in the company of some kind of religious authority is that what that means like how do I, they define I, 
religious yeah, in use. It, it, it's illegal, and you know, it's it's just complicated. You know how the legal system is. I just these kind of distinctions, I always just find to be really frustrating. It, uh, well, if it's if it's uh, if it's religious, then that's okay. I, like as though that's definable. And I guess I just don't understand why if I have some kind of so-called religious authority figure in my company, why that makes it any different than if I did it in the, in my own home or something like that. Right. They, they, they don't want people doing psychedelics. They don't want people yeah. expanding their minds. They want people to do drugs that basically inhibit them and um, basically make them more a part of the wage slave machine. Not ones that like open up your awareness or your perception to the spiritual realm. Uh, and I've often, I've been having these debates in like these telegram Christian groups I'm a part of, and they like, they denounced, you know, ayahuasca and all this stuff as like, you know, Oh, you'll get possessed by a demon or, you know, hmm. it's like, you're being a degenerate and all that. I'm like, I, that's, that's not what, that's not what it's about. Like I'm not doing fucking cocaine or meth, which is for the high I'm doing it as like to tap into the spiritual realm. And I'm particularly sensitive to that in my body. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, if I ever go to South America, I know what I, I'm supposed to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if do I'll it. be down there anytime soon. But uh, no, to be honest, I this is probably the sort of thing that I would hate. Um, I'm guessing now I, I'm not uh, I've not been an avid drug user in my life. But this sort of uh, this sort of thing, I think, would freak me out more than it would benefit me. Yeah, well, I'm like, with you. You'd let your fear take over you, in other words. Um, you'd have to confront it instead of running away. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I, whenever I've been under the influence of certain things, confronting fear has not been my strong suit. It's like, when the hell is this going to yeah, wear off? I don't want to do yeah. this anymore. Um, huh. That's kind of how my dad reacts to it. Um, yeah. But like the way I envision it is like, I need to conquer this. Like, and once mm. I conquered it, I conquered myself. All right. Nothing can stop me. All right. Well, um, I will have to take your word for it unless I go to South America. Uh, any any it's, final it's thoughts great, from you? Well, yeah. I just want to talk else about like South America is a huge spot for like Germans and like Dutch people. They're all going down there. Uh, hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, and basically, they're all realizing how much of a shit show the West is, and like they're understanding I can live for a much better cost of living down there. Like it's mm. ridiculously cheap to live down there. Like I'm talking like $10 for a room on the Pacific ocean, basically California without all the Californians. And yeah, don't tell people this or we're not going to have any white marriages anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean like there's tons of expats down there and like, you know, uh, mo half the girls that I was with were, were from Germany and Netherlands and France. So, you know, they realize they realize that everything's going to shit, even if they don't want to like tell it. So hmm. um, I think the great plan should be the relocation to Latin America. All right. Well, perhaps I will see you there. <laughs> Have a great night. Appreciate it. See ya. OK, next up is uh, Joshy boy. Joshy boy, are you there? Hi. Hello. Hey. What's on your mind? Oh, hey. Good. Uh, good afternoon. Sorry, I was talking to Dangerous Spaces. So it's been about what, roughly a month since I last spoke to you guys. Yeah, sure. Something mm -hmm. like that, maybe. Yeah. So first of all, how's your evenings going? Can't complain. Uh, yeah, I'm going well. I suppose. Uh, feeling a little hungry, eager for dinner after this, but uh, 
everything's all good. No, actually, I'm surprised, um, seriously speaking, because I figured we'd talk a lot about Buffalo, and there have been some Buffalo calls, but they've been like uh, positive in their perspective. And I don't mean positive, like, I'm glad that happened. <laughs> positive, yeah, like, I mean, I um, what, what can be done to make sure people don't get into that kind of position? And by people, I mean the shooter himself, but also the people who were attacked. What right. could be done to make sure that they're able to defend themselves? Just like, I guess it, it hasn't been a lot of like black pilled negativity. It's been a lot of positive yeah. thought coming out of that. Surprised even me, but the whole Buffalo thing I wasn't going to talk about tonight because mm-hmm. I know I was going to hear about it to death eventually. Yeah, whatever, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, but about a month ago, I gave you guys two options whether to talk about the culture war or my recent conversion to be a monarchist. So I guess there'll ah. be a second option today, right? Yeah, now, uh, wait, 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 I'm confused. What are the options? Oh, last time we talked about the culture war. So yeah. this time I want to talk about me becoming a monarchist. Great. Right? Okay. Cause that's, that's what I was going to, that's, I'm eager to yeah. hear about this. Yes. So by technically speaking, I'm going to be a constitutional monarchist, right? Go on. So kind of what the UK has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now why most of my values and my beliefs are still fundamentally conservative. I've mm-hmm. kind of given up on the Republic, right? Hmm. Um, you can kind of blame 2020 for that. After I I voted and everything and saw what happened, I was like, all right, this is some bullshit right here. Hmm. But the reason for this is that, plus I also study a lot of history. We're, how old is our country? About roughly 300 or so years old? Uh, well, it depends how you define it. But as like a, as an independent political body, like yeah. constitutional ratification was what, 1791? So closer to like mm-hmm. you know, two. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why I bring that up is because at some point, I don't really believe republics are supposed to last all that long. I kind of draw this from the uh, the Republic of Rome and how that kind of lasted a few hundred years before it collapsed and turned into the empire. Because technically we are an empire since we hold territories and stuff like that. Hmm. So I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that we have territories in the Pacific Oceans and all that. Yeah. Things kind of like that. And then Puerto Rico that can't seem to make up its mind. But while this is brief, because I didn't have a whole lot to talk about this time, it's it's a long topic. But I've been discussing this in Telegram with some of my mates over here in Tennessee and how a constitutional monarchy would work in the United States, if it'll work, how law and order will be handled, domestic affairs, economy, stuff like that. And I kind of bounce these ideas off uh, of them, and I want to bounce it off of you guys whenever I get back on. Okay. Just to kind of see your opinion, if you have any disagreements, if you have any suggestions or counters or anything like that. Because I kind of wanted to fully discuss. I can say I have good ideas all day long, but let's say that I have a topic. Yeah. Say law and order, right? And I and this is one thing that Blonde would really appreciate. Because a lot of the ideas I have for law and order, especially when it comes to... Okay, first of all, I do... I do favor capital punishment, I guess. So that I for guess all crimes or just me. some, because it's got to be all for Bond <laughs> to be on board. Minor petty petty theft, capital yeah. punishment. Yeah. Let's see. It's an example I can give real quick. Okay, so let's say that you have a repeat offender who has murdered a lot of people, right? Uh huh. For me, that's grounds for execution. And I have a well, if he can't stop brutal. killing people, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Yeah, maybe. 
if you keep killing people, I was like, well, this guy has committed murder twice now. So I'm going to let's say that I did execution via beheading or something like that. Something brutal. The uh-huh. point of punishment, to kind of briefly go over, is to kind of deter or discourage future criminals. There's always going to be criminals. You're always going to have those people, right? Yeah. But the reason why people act the way they act now is because nothing really happens to them, right? Nothing, a lot of them don't really suffer the actual consequences. And I'm talking about on equal grounds here. So yeah. both men and women will suffer this. Well, I think there's certainly, it's got to be at least part of it. You look at places like San Francisco where people just walk into a Walgreens with a garbage bag and take whatever they want. It's because yeah. they know no one will stop them. And um, maybe there are people who will commit crimes regardless. I think that's probably true, too, that that there's no amount of um, deterrence that will stop a certain amount of people. But I I grant your point that deterrence will definitely stop some. And uh, we're probably too far on the other side of of that one at this point. Yeah. Yeah. But as a Catholic, I have to oppose capital punishment. Hmm. Um, Uh, Why is that? I, I just don't think that it's our role to to take lives. Trust me, the, the person that wants vengeance and uh, has like this overwhelming urge for bloodlust or just has bloodlust that was redundant um, <laughs> really thinks that this is how we achieve justice. But um, I think I'm fighting with like my like a bad part of my nature. It's, it's interesting. I'm just more of. Oh, go ahead, man. Well, it's an interesting question. We've kind of gone. We've we've hashed out a few times, and I think I generally agree with with uh, the anti-capital punishment perspective. Not because some crimes aren't deserving of the death penalty, and not that the death penalty yeah. cannot, in fact, be justice, but just because of a skepticism in the system that is government to achieve it. But maybe if there were systems mm-hmm. that were, I suppose, I suppose, more reliable. I don't know, but. The, the consequences for being wrong are of such moral weight that I I uh, would probably err on the side of steering clear of that. Um, but I did have, uh, unless you had more thoughts about that, I had one more question about your system that I wanted to ask you. Um, because to me, well, when I say I'm listening and I am, constitutional republic, constitutional monarchy, the operative word is constitutional. All right. That's that's why these things are attractive to me, as in the purpose of the arrangement is securing, defending the rights of the people. And I don't care about how leaders are chosen as much as I care about that. So in your system, Mm -hmm. and this is sort of a law and, and order or a justice concept, what do you do or how do you deal with the constitutional oath breakers? Let's say that there's a king who's on top of this constitutional monarchy and he just decides, um, not a fan of the constitutional qualifier. I'm just going to start abusing people. What is the mechanism to fix that? Is it just, we start swinging axes or is there something else? I've actually thought about that. Um, I can easily say that I wouldn't do that, but I have thought about, okay, what if somebody just didn't like the constitution anymore? What I kind of want to do is to drill it into people's heads. Let's say the second amendment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There are plenty of reasons why to keep the second amendment in there, mostly due to criminal element and mostly because you're right. But what's the point of having 2A if nobody takes it seriously? So my yeah. thing is that, look, listen, you guys have to be ready to fight against your king if they ever betray you, right? Or a monarch, queen, whatever, right? You have to be willing to do it. You have to be brave enough. Otherwise, there's no point, right? Mm-hmm. 
So if you start doing, if you start giving more leeway into like, let's say that, let's say that a bunch of MS-13 gang members illegally cross the border, right? They have no grounds to be there. And one of the decrees will be is that, well, if they commit crimes against you, both citizens and law enforcement can kill without legal reper repercussions, right? If you are allowed to defend yourself against a criminal element without getting into legal trouble, and you can prove that, right? I guess that would allow people to be braver into defending themselves against a tyrannical government, right? You kind of just gradually, it has to be gradual. It can't really just be immediate. So if, it's not a, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying like condition people into comfort with defense such that they will, they will yeah, uh, they take have, it upon themselves when necessary. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Like you said, I was, I was watching your video at first. You, you are the first line of defense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take me and my mother. Because I'd stay with her right now, but we both are armed, right? Yeah. Um, if somebody breaks in, I'm the first to notice, right? So I defend her yeah. and also defend myself. I want people to be able to be like, all right, I'm armed. I can carry. I need to defend myself from not just the criminals, but from anybody trying to bring me harm. And I want them to carry that attitude even towards their government, right? It's essential. Yes. Yeah. So I, I want to make it in the, an extremely important point. And there's one more thought I want to bring in before I uh, close out. Right? Right. But it is extremely important to be able to defend yourself, especially when you're on Monarch, and even those who help him turn against you. Because if you don't fight back, they will just run you over. Right. Yeah. So the last thing is, is also regarding the First Amendment, right? And I got a quote. I heard a quote from a, a podcaster of mine, or at least it was from an emperor. It's kind of better, like, uh, you know how I'm trying to censor speech, right? And uh, it's better to let somebody just air their frustration out and, and just kind of get out of our system and find people who like, yeah, I don't, I don't like this guy. He fucking sucks. And I hate this guy. Right. It's better mm -hmm. to let them get out their grievances and stuff and not have anything happen to them than to try to shut them up. Right. Mm -hmm. Because maybe they're just trying to blow off some steam. Maybe they'll feel better after they talk to somebody. Just like the whole Buffalo thing. Right. If you just allow that and just let people, okay, criticize the monarch or make fun of the monarch or whatever, as long as they're not trying to call to action when it's unjustified, I think some people argue, well, what if they, what if some people get together and start getting ideas on their heads? Like, well, if they act on that violence, then we do something about it. But if they don't, I don't care. They can just blow smoke all day long. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, uh, well, is this how we all get along, Blonde? Do we come together on constitutional monarchy? Is this... Hey, I, I can get behind that, yeah. Maybe it's got a little something for everybody, you know? Yeah. It all depends on how well it's executed, which I want to go over more the next time I get on. How well it's executed. You're talking Blonde's language right there. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe not. There will be a lot of fatality, though. It depends... Uh... You know, to be honest, we'll have to keep it moving here. But I, I am surprised. I, I think that your bloodlust is going to get the best of you, and you're going to become pro capital punishment uh, sooner I'll rather have to than be later. pagan. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for the thoughts, man. Appreciate it. Perhaps we will discuss later night. next time or more next time. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we got time for maybe a last call here, and then we'll get to your email questions. Uh, Base Ballard, are you there? I got nothing. Can you hear anything? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Base Ballard, sorry. We probably will not be able to take your call tonight just because of time constraints, but let's try all minus one. 
Hey, bud, what's up? Uh, I, I thought it might be you. Good to hear from you. Can I can I use your name or is that yeah, for Bill? Yeah, it's Bill. Good to hear from you, Bill. Yeah, good to be here. It's been uh, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, uh, how how is your family? How's everything? Oh, we're doing well. Uh, little one is getting into everything. Um, mm. As I told you guys the other week, uh, sent you a super chat about it. She's been walking since nine months. So oh that's gosh. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, she, when when did she five, start crawling? Well, I was about to say, at five months, she rolled over. Huh. And then uh, two weeks later, she was crawling. Ugh. So she was just, yeah, that's, I wonder, we keep thinking maybe that's the way our son is going to go. He's just, he does, he, he kind of half crawls right now, but he keeps trying to stand all the time. And we think maybe one day he's just going to get up and start running around. It's going to be really fast. <laughs> right. That's how it goes. But, it's like they're doing nothing and then they're doing everything. Yeah. Yeah, so she's uh, she's about to be one. Well, she's about to be eleven uh, months here in a couple of days. But uh, yeah, she's gonna be turning one here soon, and we're doing good. Wife's still breastfeeding. You know, good. we did a birthing. We did a birthing center with a midwife and a nurse midwife and and a doula, and that was it. No doctors, mm. no drugs, no nothing. So man, wow, you know, champion. Home that night. Yeah, yeah. Good for um, her. But yeah, I called in because I've, I've been playing around with this idea and it's not really like a new idea, but it kind of explains a lot of what's been going on, you know, with like not just the mass shootings, but the the NPCs and uh, all of the the gaslighting that constantly goes on in the media. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea that, that we're in this like curated synthetic society. It's constantly trying to reach the, the Hegelian synthesis. And at the same time, everyone is being basically programmed into things. And I take a lot of this, too, from, like, uh, Baudrillard's hyper-reality. Um, he's a postmodernist or whatever. But uh, I kind of wanted to read you a couple quotes and then see where this lands with you. Okay. So the one is uh, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. <laughs> Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute a invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. That was uh, written by Edward Bernays in 1928. It's in his book, Propaganda. He's the what? guy that got bacon and, you know, smoking mm-hmm. Stuff. What was his perspective? Because that, I mean, when he says important to me, that sounds like uh, borderline evil. You know? Right, right. Well, here's another one from him. The public is not cognizant of the real value of education and does not realize the, that education as a social force is not receiving the kind of attention it has the right to expect in a democracy. And he's talking about, of course, using it to groom people. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And these folks were eugenicists. Um, another one is from Aldous Huxley, which is, I believe, his nephew or something like that. or uh, They're related somehow, I forget. Uh, the perfect dictatorship would have the appearance of democracy, but would basically be a prison without walls in which the prisoners would not even dream of escaping. It would essentially be a system of slavery where, through consumption and entertainment, the slaves would be lost uh, to their servitude. Yeah. We've talked about this theme a few times and that's such a, 
because it seems like a contradiction in terms when you say things like voluntary slavery. It is a contradiction, but that's maybe a better way of putting it. It's sort of like unknowing slavery or unconscious slavery. Well, it's a bunch of people who are fake. They don't have a personality. And so they're like, they're sloganeering. There's, you know, political slogans they're repeating. And of course it taps into like their basic primitive tribalism. And, uh, I would say from a Jungian perspective, right, it's, they're just persona. It's just shallow. Um, and so it's fake. It's fake. And it's like I said, Baudrillard talks about hyper-reality. He's the, uh, He's the inspiration for the Matrix, basically, hmm. right? And, uh, you know, I was listening to James Lindsay talking about hyper-reality and how everything's more real than real, and I started thinking about the trans movement and fake boobs and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> um, you know, and how all this plays into this, this uh, like, narcissism in our society, especially within women, you know, because it's so uh, gynocentric right. now, yep. you know? And Amber Heard's a perfect example. I'm watching this trial. I was married to a borderline personality woman for seven years. Hmm. Oh, she's totally and, borderline. Oh, she, Rebecca, I swear. this It's like she says stuff. It's exactly like the kind of stuff that my ex-wife would say, you know, and and well, she would this, do the same thing. You know, I, I was beating her, but no, I wasn't. But she would attack me, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, men get pussy trapped with these borderline women because apparently they're super crazy in bed. So I don't feel too bad for Johnny Depp at this point in time. Like, I know he's crazy, but like, couldn't he have not been thinking with his dick? Come on. Right. But my only point is, is that it just it just encourages this behavior anyways. Um, borderline personality disorder? Well, I any sort of um, any sort of like uh, antisocial disorder. Right, right. And, yeah, and that's yeah. where that's where we get back to the shooting in Buffalo, uh, because the guy, regardless if the FBI actually groomed him directly, he was groomed by our society, which is being, you know, curated by a bunch of pedophiles, basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, when uh, people don't have a a truth that they can rally around, then they just invent their own truth. And then we live in a society without rules. And that's where we are. Pretty well, much, yeah. And, the the truth is Marx. He's their prophet, even though he's been wrong about everything. But that's it is all Marx. It all does tie back to Marxism. Um, you know, I've been saying on my uh, on my channel that uh, you know Karl Marx is the false prophet of Revelation because <laughs> mm. he seems to be the the ideas of his are uh, they like they've been around forever, but uh, this is a mind virus that he started and it's gotten uh, more entangled in its web. Hmm. So it's in every aspect of our society. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for the thoughts and uh, all the best to your family. Glad to hear from you, man. All right, man. Sorry if I got too deep there. But- no, no, I, no I, I, I appreciate it. It's like uh, it's, it's too deep for our feeble brains at this late yeah. hour, you know? Hey, can I show my shows, man? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Of course. All right, guys, go check me out over on All Minus One. That's one of my channels. And then there's uh, the Injustify the Memes where we uh, run the meme cast news. I do a narrative through memes, and uh, uh-huh. it's pretty fun. And, and we do it right before this show. Uh, uh, Sunday nights Eastern. or Wednesday nights? Wednesday nights. Okay. And then I stream on All Minus One generally on Sundays around 3 p.m. Got it. So Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, Good thank you. you. And uh, yeah, See have a night. great night. Appreciate yeah. it. Hope your little ones are doing well. Thanks. You as well. Yep.
Okay, that'll do it on callers. Uh, appreciate all the callers tonight and appreciate your patience if you weren't able to make it in. Uh, if you are having trouble getting in live or you'd like to participate live uh, or you'd like to participate but you can't do it live, rather, send us an email question. The way to do that is through the contact page of the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question form and we will take those questions at the end of the stream each week as we will right now. Uh, Leo Faust says a sort of philosophical quandary for you. It is said that one should never attribute to malice uh, that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. I hate this concept. If you cannot tell the difference between stupidity and malice, why not treat the stupidity as though it was malice since pretending to be stupid is exactly what a malicious person would do in order to get away with it. Would our society be more damaged by overreacting than underreacting, especially at this point in time? Love you both. So thank you. Uh, I, I think that if somebody's pretending to be stupid, then that's obviously malice. When I'm talking about that, it's it's genuine stupidity. Hmm. I think it's more forgivable because uh, the the capability is not there. The outcome is the same, but incentive matters, right? Um, but would our society be more damaged by overreacting the underreacting? No, at this point, differentiating between stupidity and malice is a, is a pointless thing. I don't know if I'd say it's pointless. Cause I think there is some benefit to assuming good intentions from a person you kind of have a first encounter with. That's true. But the other side, there has to be a limitation on that. Like I, we are at what, for example, take the Biden administration. You want to, you want to assume that every disaster they create is just the product of stupidity. But how many yeah. disasters do you need to see before you start thinking, are they in intentionally damaging the country for some purpose we may not fully understand? Or maybe we do fully understand. Yeah. How many things do you need to see in sequence? I suppose maybe there's no firm rule for that. But in most things in life, I'm kind of a three strikes sort of person. Um, and maybe three strikes is too generous. You make that many mistakes. By the third strike, I'm going to assume that you are malicious, if not beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we make a one strike rule. Everybody kind of gets a mulligan. But, you know, if you get called on your stupidity and don't correct the stupidity. Well, maybe you are just a mega idiot, I guess. But mega idiots don't run the country. You know, you might your 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 neighbor might be uh, a mega idiot or something like that. Your friend might be a, a gigantic moron. But people tend not to get into positions of uh, power that significant, I suppose, by being complete and total morons. Usually they have some levers they're pulling to get there. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see. Heat seeking moisture missile. Oh, <laughs> uh, do you think it's a choice to be gay or are people born this way? If the latter does the same logic work with those attracted to minors? Um, I think that some of it is genetic and some of it's environmental, uh, because I've been reading a lot about endocrine disruptors and there are definitely some things that cause, uh, incomplete masculinization in utero. And if that's the case, and then something happens in childhood, like it's indisputable that a higher level of homosexual men and women have been molested in adolescence. Mm -hmm. That's just a straight up fact. So let's say you have incomplete masculinization in utero because of whatever endocrine disruptors that your mom didn't know about when she was pregnant. And then, and then the kid gets molested like homosexual for sure. Right. It, it's a combination of factors. 
I think in the same way that being a pedophile probably is. Pedophiles are also disproportionately sexually abused as minors. Yeah. I, I wonder, so you, you are, would you say that you think maybe there is some genetic component to pedophilia of being a pedophile? Probably. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. There was a time in my life, of course, where I would have, have said that, um, that people are born gay. Like that's just the way that people are born gay. There's no way around that. That's who they are. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that anymore. Um, I I'm with you that I think that there are clear environmental factors. I think the, the biggest piece of evidence that has swayed me a little bit is, is a lot of those abuse statistics. And of course, um, that information, like a lot of objective information on in this particular area is very hard to come by. It's, it's like academically forbidden to, to study, um, to study that topic. There's also kind of the gay adoption thing that is very rarely studied fairly because it's, it's another kind of academically taboo sort of thing. But I guess I haven't, I hadn't thought about this. Um, so anyway, my, my thought on, my thought on that is I think that there are probably people who have some kind of biological predisposition to homosexuality. And then there are environmental factors that are clearly a factor uh, as well. Right. Um, but I, I, I've never thought about that as it applies to pedophiles. I think that probably environmental causes are more of an issue with that. Hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't without without having any evidence to look at. It'd be I would just be guessing. But I suppose if if we, I, I'm guessing it's probably more environmental is more environmental factors in the same way. Like to me, transgenderism is probably more environmental than anything else. We've seen such a rise in in transgenderism over the last i don't know 10 years and we're told that that's just because there's more social comfort with it so all of these people are more comfortable coming out i mean i don't know what if it's because of endocrine disruptors yeah i don't know maybe there is more social acceptance but you look at um you look at books of, uh, or like abigail schreier's book on how this just on how transgenderism spreads among uh teen girls like any of these other kind of fad things like anorexia does or anything else there's a lot of that stuff is clearly environmental where there are all kinds of social rewards for being transgender or it's almost to fit in to you, you be transgender. Um, yeah, but things like um, Tylate syndrome and hypospadias, which is when uh, the urethral opening on the penis, it, it happens in the wrong place and the incidence of micro penis sperm count a misplaced pee hole i've never heard of this where is oh it's called hypospadias it's actually uh becoming a much much more common birth defect and they think it's because of endocrine disruptors and plastics where is it when it's misplaced it can sometimes be as far up as like the the base of your pelvis like Mm. you you know what it can be on your testicles it can be all so you have you have a penis and the urethra is not going through it Right, it's in the wrong place, right? What the f- Also, the incidence of, of, of micropenis is um, increasing. Testosterone production is lower every generation, and sperm counts are going down 1% per year. You got to think so, that that's a factor in this stuff, so. Yeah, so it's probably, you know, this transgenderism thing. I think it's largely environmental. Might have something to do with us being poisoned by our environment. Hmm. 
Well, thank you uh, for the thoughts. Pondering Life says, my family is facing the mortality of our mother. Her quality of life is declining quickly. With that in mind, uh, how would you want to spend the end of your life with conditions like that? Would you want to seek medical help to live as long as possible or let nature take its course? Uh, Medical help. Keep me on a ventilator for 40 years. Hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't really know how I would react in the end. So um, it's hard for me to say. I'm very confident I will be a not non-medical intervention person. I have a lot of conflicting thoughts about, say, like medically assisted suicide, um, which I used to think was. I used to I, I used to support for terminal illness and things like that. Uh, I'm starting to strongly question that. And I, I don't know that that's actually uh, the correct position to hold. But as far as just right. what, let's say you you got, um, well, I don't know, you're just you're just dying of old age, which I gather is is maybe the circumstance here. I don't mean to mischaracterize it, but that's what it seems like. I I don't want to be hooked up to a bunch of machines and live in artificially assisted extra month or something like that. Yeah, I, I just I just don't want any of that. I think. Uh, And I hope when my time comes, I don't have an unreasonable fear of death that would sort of compel me to that. Unreasonable. Is there such thing as an unreasonable fear of death? I just don't think that it should be feared to that degree. It's coming for all of us. Uh, Life is a necessary part of death or death is a necessary part of life. I should say it is life's finite nature is, is part of what gives it value, you know? And, um, I get. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say that anybody who chooses otherwise is is doing it wrong, but I'm just not a big fan philosophically of putting off the inevitable. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Um. I'm sorry to your family, though. That's a real bummer. Yeah. All the best, and uh, I hope you guys spend um the you know I hope you guys get as much quality time with your mom as you, as you can. Yep. Um. Potus Scotus Cortosis says. <laughs> Should an 11-year-old girl raped and impregnated by her father be denied an abortion? Why or why not? Okay. Mm. In general, I don't like to answer these hypotheticals because I don't want the the wildly irregular events uh, within the concept of abortion to define um, the much more common events. Like we talked about last week and the week before, uh, 93% of abortions are for no reason. Uh, 6% are for economic reasons, less than that are for sex selection, and then like rape, incest, um, and, and health of the mother account for like less than 1%. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, this is, this is such a rare occurrence. Um, but it's, you know, it's still not that child's fault, uh, and she will bear the trauma of having an abortion. That being said, like, this is the most appropriate reason for an abortion, obviously. If we could get to the point where this was the only sort or, you know, the only sort that were happening of abortions were abortions of this theme, it would be uh, an almost never event to your point. But I suppose if I was writing the law in my state, well, uh, you're saying that, that you would be comfortable with that abortion happening and no one should be held accountable. Uh, maybe I'll try to take the other side of it. Why is that? Why is it the fault of that life in, in that womb? It's not. It's not. I, okay. I, I mean, I think that in a situation like this, we do need to think about what's best for this child. 
And actually, this is a difficult circumstance because when you say this child, you're referring to the mother. The mother, yeah. Okay. She too is a child. Man, um, well, I guess, and when you say criminalize, would I want would I want a doctor to go to prison for this type of event? Um, man, <laughs> I get. <laughs> I, on principle, I, I guess what I'm saying, on principle, you're still terminating a life for no reason other than it's inconvenient. Yeah. And I know that this is a very difficult circumstance because this is obviously an abused 11 year old that has been a party to the creation of this life. But does that justify the termination? And and someone who does terminate that life, are they? Are they as culpable as somebody who does it, uh, you know, for, say, and. A uh, seven-months pregnant woman who just decided she doesn't want it anymore, and there's none of these elements are present. I guess what I'm it's, saying is, even though this is very difficult, I, the the fundamental moral premise remains the same. I I understand that. I just think it's inhumane to force a a child who's a victim of rape and incest to mm. to carry a pregnancy like this out. But but we also don't know if if she'll experience major lifelong trauma. From uh, a guilt of an abortion. And it isn't the fault of the child sure. that was created. Um, you know, I mean, but I, I also wouldn't allow a situ- an outlier like this to navigate any kind of legislative decision. Yeah. All right. Um, f- fine. <laughs> fine. If I have to say this abortion is okay. I mean, this is such a fringe thing. Well, it's, okay. it's not like if this happened, this is going to cause me to be out on the street in outrage. But I just I want to be yeah. clear about the moral principles that are at stake because I'm not sure that they change. OK, but but also like something that I think that the people on the right get really hung up with is this concept of like having an abortion at seven months is the same as having an abortion at like six weeks. Mm-hmm. Mo- neither are morally permissible, but but these are not the same things. I have a hard time drawing a distinction. You tell me what the dis- the moral distinction is. The moral distinction? I mean, uh, one is, I- I'm not saying that you're not interrupting a life either way. Yeah. But um, one is a full-fledged autonomous being. Well, th- I th- Soon to be autonomous, I suppose. It's not currently. Aut- and I guess autonomous in what way? Because even when it's born, is it, is it autonomous? You know, it's well, dependent. OK, so I had a miscarriage at 10 weeks, but the baby stopped growing at five and a half weeks. When I went in for an ultrasound, it was an empty gestational sac. Mm-hmm. The, like the baby had been absorbed by five weeks. Mm-hmm. Now, psychologically, I didn't just lose a child. Well, I understand that like developmentally they appear differently, of course, and they they exist. There was no baby in there. There was there was nothing in there. As far as the eye can see, though. But the, but you're telling me if there's well, I I guess you you explain the biology to me there. Is there in that situation that is a partially developed unique set of human DNA, correct? There was There was fertilization. There was fertilization, there was implantation. Yeah. Then growth ceased. Okay. The gestational sac absorbed the fetus. So I never visualized the fetus, but the placenta just kept growing. Yeah, it's yeah. It's called a blighted ovum. But 
intellectually, this made me think very differently about the concept of life because it's it's preposterous to think that um, that if you terminated a pregnancy at six weeks, that that you're doing the same thing. I think morally, you you basically are. You're terminating right, life. and that's that's kind of the perspective from which I'm operating right now. Is is have you ended a life as far as the moral question is concerned? Uh, I just don't think it's the same. It's the same level of extinguishing a life at six weeks as it is at, at eight months. Well, I suppose. I mean, I, we're kind of drawing distinctions. I suppose it's like is a, is a medically assisted suicide for a terminally ill patient the same thing as uh, other forms of ending a life? There yes, are, I would say yes to that. But if if we're ending the life of an individual, a genetically distinct individual who did nothing to deserve it, and not in the way that you're describing where it's a natural biological process, just we are taking active steps to extinguish that life, whether we're putting yes. a pillow over someone's face or whether we're extracting it from from the womb. I mean, I just don't see moral distinctions there. I understand that one is like, more visually or physically traumatizing, but the end result is still the same that an individual has lost his or her life because of someone's intervention, someone's active. I agree with you. I agree with you there. And and there's no way to legislate around that. And so in that way, but I think that we are engaging in some black and white thinking involving conception, especially on the right. Yeah, maybe, but to the point that you were making earlier, the, the, this is so far on the other side of that that it really is yeah. basically black and white relative and to where the debate these is questions. currently. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, in this instance, we have to think about what's best for the child, and the child is the mother. Well, there are two, though. There are two children in that scenario. Yeah. Okay. Max Zorin did nothing wrong. I don't know who <laughs> that is. I don't know either. Um, Blonde, what is it going to take to get Matt? leading a lunch mob. <laughs> Matt, what is it going to take to get blonde white pilled? I think that if um if some people like showed up at Matt's house or threatened to take his kid or threatened his wife or his parents or I think that that would do it. That would do it. Or if somebody <laughs> came to take your guns. It'd be a one man lynch mob. Yeah. Um well, I guess I'll answer my question. What would it take to get blonde uh, white pilled? Um, more children. Yeah, get me pregnant with <laughs> twins. Oh, uh, universe. Family has that effect. Family will force your hand in that way. And um, yeah. Um, on the question of what it would take me to get uh, get me into this lunch mob. Uh, you know, it's it's seriously speaking, it it's even when there is injustice that would justify such things or at least justify say physical intervention i don't i don't know if i would say lynch mob obviously but physical intervention uh or forceful intervention when those things are across the country even if the forceful intervention is justified it's it's a lot more abstract but let's say that there was some kind of occupying force or some kind of you know like beto o'rourke is going around kicking doors in on my neighbors and trying to take their guns yeah when it's when it's in your community that would certainly be a factor uh, where I could see something like that happen. To be honest, it's like, I, I, I'll be blunt. I, I, I hope I, if such circumstances come to me, I hope I have the courage to step up and do that. 
Um, part of it is that I think that you have a, you know, you have a moral obligation to resist those violent means until they're absolutely necessary. But the other side of it too, is when they are absolutely necessary, it takes a lot of courage. Yes, it does. And I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to tell you that like, oh yeah, man, when, when civil war two hits and it's me against Lori Lightfoot in the gay war, <laughs> I'm just going to be, I'm going to be getting the medal of honor, you know? Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I, 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 I I honestly, I fear a lot, not the gay war, but I, I want nothing to do with like real physical armed conflict. I try to do my best to be capable and prepared if such things ever pre- were presented to me, but I, I don't, I don't have any sort of eagerness for that. So that's, that's a factor right. in that too. Uh, not that anybody does, but like you, you find out what kind of courage you have when, when shit hits the fan in that way. And I've never I've never been tested like that in my life. You know, I've done difficult things in my life. I've never had, say, like bullets flying. I've never I had feel very confident that you would react appropriately and calmly like you do in all situations. I hope. But, you know, I've never been in such a circumstance. So I, I just have no idea. And I hope I never have to find out. But perhaps it'll it'll happen. OK, uh, Ineptius says, finally got baptized Orthodox, which is direct church funded by or founded by Christ uh, for heterodox blonde wife fled Russia. And I tagged along as a pilgrimage to the Near East. She makes quadruple my salary and I teach part time. I use my free time to write books and read the Bible. She's gone farther atheist and refuses to raise children Orthodox and goes along with the COVID BS makes fun of us Christians as well. Any advice Mm. you're allowed three marriages in Orthodoxy, but I see this as God teaching me patience and understanding. Are you really allowed three marriages in Orthodoxy? I don't even know if that's true, but um, you know, different yokes. Hmm. What, uh, would your advice be another marriage? Do they have children? It seems uh, the implication is no. She said she doesn't or refuses to raise future children Orthodox. So maybe they're, she's open to children, but they don't have any. Hmm. Yeah. You got to get divorced, man. Well, I, I guess um, my only question is how, uh, how forceful have you gone in your approach to try to reconcile these things? Because, and I, maybe you've tried it, but but women respond to male leadership instinctively. And mm-hmm. if you get serious about making a plan and sort of saying not bossing around, but being considerate of what of the things that she wants and and things that she believes, I suppose, but sort of making a plan and sort and uh, politely telling her how it is, women tend to respond to that sort of thing. Yeah. So if you haven't attempted maybe a more stern leadership role. I might suggest that, um, but uh, if she, I mean, these are such foundational things that you're talking about. If she refuses to get on the same page with you, it's really hard to say, oh, you know, you can iron it out later, um, stay married and raise and, and bring children into this state of conflict. Man, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I really hesitate to advise divorce because I just. I just don't really I don't know enough about it, but I I would understand if you did. I just don't. On principle, like I just think divorce ought to be avoided almost always, but um, she hasn't done anything abusive here. She just disagrees. You just got to get her on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Making fun of Christians. That's not great, though. (laughs) Maybe Um, that was the abuse. Yeah. 
that Australian good, diversity good hire. Tell her how it is. Smack her butt spaces. and tell her how it is. Yeah, really. It always works every time. Um, let's assume we don't have fortification or fortification fails in the midterms and the Republicans regain control of the House and or Senate. Regardless of whether you think they will actually do it, what would you like to see Republicans do or enact? I'm doubtful they ever will do this. But for me, starting investigations into the most secure election ever would be a start. You can't guarantee free and fair and totally secure Susan election if any attempt at full transparency or investigations into suspicious activity can be shut down. Some people are suggesting the impeachment of Joe and Kamala, which I'm not sure I like. Maybe you guys like one or both of those ideas. Maybe there are a whole bunch of other things you would want. Just would, uh, wondering, what are your thoughts hmm. um, on how best to use the regaining of congressional control if it happens? This presents a lot of conflicting principles for me. Um because, of course, I want to know exactly what happened in the 2020 election, and I, I won't be mad if perhaps we get some investigations to figure some of that stuff out. However, elections are a state issue. And once we start having the federal government going and sticking its nose in all sorts of state issues, that does set. Not that the precedents, I suppose, haven't been abused to the end of time already, but uh, Something I want to be careful about is just anytime the federal government doesn't like something, they go sticking their their nose in state business and they and they try to uh, try to exert their will on that. The other thing that makes me um, that makes me nervous about this is just the never ending state of government investigating itself. And um, I there there are plenty of things to investigate. I'm not saying that that's out of line. That there have been all sorts of shady and abusive activities that have happened. Um, recently and in and in years prior, but I guess my answer to a lot of this stuff is, if I had to pick between investigating past wrongs or dismantling the systems that allow those wrongs to occur, start dismantling. Maybe that's too optimistic, but instead of endless hearings where you know so and so congressman owns this witness and we get a viral video out of it, nothing really changes. I want to see them start. Um, dismantling alphabet agencies. I want to huh, see them wouldn't that tearing apart the, the federal government's uh, grossly expanded scope. That That's maybe way too optimistic. And it, and it, you know, it'd have to get all that stuff would have to get through the Senate. It'd have to get through president Joe Biden for the next couple of years or whoever the hell replaces him. But I, I'm just talking about the principle of to the extent that abuses have happened. I would rather, I would rather uh, take down the systems that enable the abuse than spend a bunch of time investigating how exactly this, that, and the other specific thing mm -hmm. happened. So that would be my answer. Did you have anything else to add to it? Oh, dismantling alphabet agencies would be nice. I'm sure we could do some border stuff. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I mean, how could they get inflation under control at this point? Just stop. Just stop. Stop printing money. We'll, <laughs> we'll accept stop. the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop. Just stop everything. And it's, it'll probably correct itself little by little. In 10, 20, 50, 100 years. God. I wanted you to read this one. <laughs> funny. The name? Just the name? <laughs> I didn't even know that one was a slur, is it? Jigaboo? We've talked about no, it on no, the show before. I guess that one, but the third one. Moon Cricket? Is that a... Jogger, Jigaboo, Moon Cricket, McNword. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's a real name. 
Uh, you want me to read this one or you got the yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. hypothetical. Blondes uh, reconquest of California is underway and you come upon the cities which ruined the state. Do you firebomb the city, the cities and everyone inside uh, and everyone inside it and rebuild or go in and try to fix it up? If you choose the latter, what do you do with the inhabitants who ruined it? Assume the rest of the country has fallen and you're rebuilding the West in your image. Wow. Oh, um, I don't know. We got to kick them out. It depends on what their nation of origin is. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I don't think that there's a, there would be any circumstance in which I would go. Uh, in which I would start lighting fires on on theoretically innocent people, people I have no idea what they did or did not do. I just I can't. There's no way that I'm going to do that. Yeah. That said, if you now own this place um, and you are in charge of rebuilding it, you don't know who these people you don't who these people are. You don't know what they did, have done, what they believe, what they want. I guess my answer would be you're going to have to go in there militarily or whatever force you have. And you're going to have to. <laughs> am I am I becoming fascist? I got to listen to myself <laughs> talk here. You have to. I guess round these people up i guess what i would say is you have to have them all in a place and then work out some political solution from there you have to say this is what we're building um if you agree in with the premises with of what we're doing perhaps there's a place for you if not we're gonna have to figure out what the hell is not because i'm like i'm not trying to like put these people in camps or something like that what i'm saying is if you're building something new everybody's got to be on the same page Mm-hmm. And you have to afford these people, like, I guess, a hearing of, are you on this page or are you not? And if you're not, we're going to have to sort something out. It's not like, uh, I want to be clear, I'm not, like, trying to put people in prison or something like that. It's just, right. if you go into a hostile, like, for all you know, you're going into a hostile city of actual commies. Like, let's say you took over, let's say you took over part of Vietnam or something back in the day. It's full of actual commies. You can't just go live there and uh, have commie neighbors and expect that everything is just going to be fine. You don't know who they are. Something has got to be done with these people. Yeah. So like you're going to, I don't want to firebomb. <laughs> I, I want to have a conversation with them. And the only camps, way to have camps, camps, but the only way to have a conversation with them is to make sure that you have collected them. That's yeah. the only way that that's possible. You got a, okay. another idea or you just burn it down. Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm serious about the camps. What, you actually want them confined to camps? Yeah, I mean, at least we could watch them and see how they behave and and, and see how they're going to vote in future and then maybe <laughs> let them out on a some kind of um, experimental basis. And Why don't we do gladiator tournament for our own entertainment? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> the winners can... Blood um, sports. The winners can be our servants. That is your reward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, like thank it. you, uh, Mr. McEnward, for your <laughs> thoughtful hypothetical. Moon cricket, eh? Uh, I got to look this up. Yeah. Uh, do tell me if that's actually a slur or not. Okay. Thank you guys for your uh, for your email questions. As a reminder, that's through the contact page of the website. If you'd like to send an email question for the call-in show, com slash contact. Look for the call-in show question ah. form. Okay. Yes, is it older slang from people of people of African descent or black slaves? They would go outside in the moonlight singing their ethnic songs about hopes of being free 
hmm. and are just about as annoying and loud as crickets <laughs> from Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay. I've never heard this before. Uh, let's catch up with chat before we get out of here. Over on DLive, Jen Collins says, The Story of Your Enslavement by Stefan Molyneux. Does he have a... Uh, something to that that theme yes, of that's kind a, of one of his earlier videos it's fantastic interesting maybe i uh i'm sure people have put a lot of thoughts of this and i'm probably behind the curve so maybe i'll have to check it out uh we're good on tippy stream so if you just want to catch us up on youtube we can call it a night holden mulray i read that one thank you sir uh robin d bangs i understand why people got black pilled it's been a rough past half decade for us all but the time to fight is now. Elon buying Twitter before the next election. Remember the meme war? We can do this. Wow. All right. Although that's, that's, I guess, on hold for now over the bot issue. But he really has Twitter by the balls or, you know, whatever gender we'll neutral gonads they have. <laughs> this might have been a play uh, by him. Hmm. Um. Okay. Robin D. Banks also red pill year, guys. I'm telling you. I've been spending years harvesting weapons grade memes from Pull B and Bant. If you need some, let me know. What is B? I have no idea. That's too advanced for me. What's B Bant? just the letter B? Yeah. Don't know. Um, huh. Now Luke AA995. You'll never escape Tarkov alive, especially if you don't have food, ammo, and skills. Is this a video game thing? Why don't I know the re- that sounds familiar, but the the reference escapes me. Escape from Tarkov is, oh, it's a it's a first person shooter, but I've just never played it, so I guess I got to check it out. But um, but yeah, that game's new to me. Incompetent hands. Twitter hides bots as Disney Disney goes after tots. Buffalo is snowy, <laughs> but their malcontents seem glowy. The white pill isn't far, but I still shouldn't super chat from the bar. That is a knuckle hunky buck level super chat, Mister Incompetent. <laughs> That was pretty Thank good. You. We don't often get um, poetic rhyme and meter schemes like that. So, so good. That's pretty good. Thank you for that. Yep. Uh, that's it. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, we will call it a show there. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us tonight. As always, uh, we will, of course, be back on Sunday to discuss whatever happens between now and then. I got to talk. Nina Jankowitz, we have to remember all her best moments, which I guess there aren't too many to remember. But um, but anything else you're looking for show-related, if you need uh, more to listen to or you want to send us a message or you just want to find the show, head on over to the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. You will find everything you need there. Uh, and we hope to see you back on Sunday night. Thanks, and have a good night. Bye, guys.